Yes, hello, I am James Rodens and today it's the WR436, it's the G1 Climax 32 presented by New Japan. But I am not alone, I have a pleasure to be joined by the entire WNR podcast team. Up first, a woman who is by my side for every AEW and W pay-per-view, and today she is bringing you her first for a carder. It is, of course, Jaxie Scarlett. How are you doing? The first is real, and it's here to discuss G1. I am very ready for this, uh, ready and excited to be here, really. Yeah, I cannot believe it. It's so exciting. I'm, I'm buzzing, and I'm glad to have you on board. And up next, a man who is our resident NXT and Japanese expert. And the reason we are doing this, so we could actually blame him if this is the worst-received podcast in WNI history. Monty's is to blame. But if it's the greatest, it is my idea. But we are joined by Monty. No pressure, man. How's it going? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a chance to share something that uh, is very special to me when it comes to New Japan, uh, pro wrestling, and just the fighting spirit and strong style in general that's popular in Japanese pro wrestling. I'm just excited to be able to share this with uh, you guys. So I'm honored. And no matter how it goes, bad or good, I'm going to say it was awesome. So it don't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Last, but by no means least. And I quote Jane, which is a song by Jefferson Starship, but we we called Gina now, like a cat and a mouse from a door to door and a house to house. Don't you pretend you don't know what I'm talking about? Where all these nights we spent together only because you didn't know better. I gotta know, Gina. You're playing the game. You're playing the game. And of course, it is genius, Gina. I don't know what I was thinking when I did that, but by it. Gina, how's it going? <laughs> That is brilliant. Again, another class opening for me. Thanks, James. How's it going? <laughs> uh, do you know what? I could stop the show there. You know, my intro's for you. <laughs> it's one of the highlights of when we get together, you know. People tune in just for the just for the intro of Genius. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you are here, and how are you feeling? Are you nervous about delving into the G1 Climax? A little, yes, but I'm also really excited. I mean, I remember listening to last year's one, and I just thought, "What? I don't. I have no idea what they're talking about." So, being able to have that knowledge going into this one, I'm I'm super excited. Well, shout out over that. So here we go for the first time ever on the WNR podcast. We are going to look at the G1 climax. <laughs> King of Sports, New Japan for Wrestling. I fucking love that opening as well. I had to have it on this podcast without shadow of a doubt. But we are going to get on the G1 Climax, considered the most important tournament in New Japan. It will feature 28 wrestlers divided into four blocks of seven. A, B, C, and D blocks. Each participant faces all six other wrestlers within the same block in single matches. The winner of each block is determined via a point system with two points for a win, one point for a draw, and no points for a defeat. Each tonight, the event sees one match from each block between two members. On the final two days of the event, the winners of each block enter a four-man playoff to determine the winner of the tournament and also receive a future match at the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship 
at Wrestle Kingdom. Now, Monty, of course, this is uh, mine and Gina's first G1. How does this compare to the rest in history and just how important is the G1 Climax in New Japan? It's, it's like you mentioned, the biggest tournament is the biggest deal. You know, I mean, I mean, best of the Super Juniors is big for the junior heavyweight title in a similar fashion, but it doesn't guarantee a spot in the main event at Wrestle Kingdom, it, it, which is their biggest show, which is the closest equivalent to WrestleMania that they have. Usually it's around 20 competitors in A and block, uh, each person fighting around nine matches in each block. So that's what I mean by just way more than even what you guys saw. It's, it's, it's usually worse, believe it or not, and uh, less spread out than it was for this particular uh, tournament as far as the schedule goes. But, uh, of course, the two the people with two best records in their block meeting up in the final. Uh, you know, this time it's four blocks, 28 competitors, making it even bigger than the other time they had four blocks, which is in 2000. That was still 20 people. It was just split up in four blocks, four blocks of five, I believe. But uh, with more competitors uh, and blocks, it was less room for error this year, you know, because you didn't have as many matches. When you have nine matches, you can lose three matches, come out six and three, and usually you have 12 points. You're in the final uh, most of the time. But if you lose three matches when you only have six matches, as you can see, problems arise and you possibly could have lost your spot. So just a, just made everything a little bit more impactful. And as the tournament went on, you guys saw it created all types of possibilities uh, if we ran into a tiebreaker, a tiebreaker, so mm. and which we ended up seeing. <laughs> well, that's what I found quite interesting. Jaxie, I mean, you know, we've watched a lot of wrestling uh, together with you and reviewed it, but this kind of concept of G one, I was quite enjoying it because, as Monty said, you, it wasn't just kind of you lost and you're out. You still had second and third chances, yeah. in it, you know. Exactly, and I, I, I found myself, especially because of I, I wouldn't say I'm was going into uh, the G one with any inclined favorites so it just kind of made things even more exciting on that on that front uh because you were kind of like oh okay so you, you might have seen a loss here but then you might come back fighting you know even stronger in the next match so it was just really up in the air as to who really was going to reach the finals yeah and another thing as well the talent roster in itself i think was was we talk about all the competitors involved Pretty strong yeah. groups in and themselves. Uh, but again, it was going to maybe difficult to try to map out how to watch it, if you were, you know, because for me, I come up with a plan. Uh, you know, I know there's a lot to watch on the G1, but how did you go about trying, trying to watch it all? Or did you? You know, what was your plan? I mean, I did watch it all, but it, it definitely, I did not have a plan at all. I just kind of watched parts here and there where I could um sometimes I get to work from home so I kind of had it on sort of in the in the background whilst doing some work um I would just have to squeeze in and especially because I had a holiday in between so I had like six of them to catch up on and I didn't really want to skip any because I had started from the beginning so for me I had no plan and no schedule I just <laughs> chucked it on as I'm wherever I found, found time um, and I definitely have not gone out the past few days since coming back from holiday, so I could catch up but with the ending before this podcast. <laughs> no, well, like I said, it was difficult to do. I mean, I feel a bit more like OCD now, the way I did it, is because I went through the list 
kind of matches. I picked out, I thought I was only picking out a few matches as I went through. I realised it was 25. And I thought, do you know what? That's quite a lot to try and watch. And I split them up into fights. And then I watched them because Monday is the kind of the only day of a day off. So I thought I'd just watch five matches each week leading up to this podcast. And then today as we speak, the semi-finals and the finals. So hopefully it's a little bit fresh. So I kind of went away about that. Uh, Monty, what about you? How did you devour New Japan? Because you've got to do it regularly anyway, haven't you? You know, this is part of the problem. <laughs> yeah. This, yeah, this is basically what I do anyway <laughs> at this point. I've been doing it for years. Uh, I was lucky enough to watch the first the first few shows. I think uh, I watched them live. I got a chance to see them, like, me up 3 a.m. type live <laughs> watching. So... That's how it started. I always try to watch the first few shows and then the last few shows as they air, the way they're meant to be, uh, you know, portrayed to me. Uh, but at, in between that, it was my goal to make sure I caught up so I can be prepared for those last three days of, of uh, competition. And that's basically what happened. I I started off watching live and then I was like, okay, well, I need to take some time, kind of like what you mentioned, Gina, of just making it part of your schedule catching up with it. I always kept eyes on who was winning anyway because I'm the type of guy, it don't matter if they spoil the finish, I'm going to go back and watch the whole match anyway. Like, I, I'm into this stuff. Like, I'm, I'm a freak, guys. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry to admit that. But anyway, this is my stuff. I really loved it. Uh, I Yeah, so yeah, I pretty much just split it up. So, I caught up, binge watching it, kind of like, you know, skipping through. And then, uh, once I was caught up uh, on those last three days of block competition, I watched them all live. Well, do you know what? That's impressive. Uh, Jackson, did you find anything missed out or was put behind New Japan? Because I know recent love for it has kind of shut up. Did you find yourself kind of going, I'll leave Dynamite to watch a bit of G1? Um, Not really, no. Uh, I think especially because uh, the G1 was so frequent, um, I knew I was always going to kind of be playing catch-up. So, you know, when when it was, you know, sort of dynamite on Wednesdays and things, I I catch up on that anyway. Um, So for me, I just kind of found the time. I I found it easiest uh, to be catching up on on most of the G1 from um, like the weekends. So uh, I predominantly would, you know, kind of re-catch myself back up before the start of the next week uh, when more episodes would drop, of course. So, um, yeah, I kind of did it that way, but didn't, I think I only struggled towards the very end because if I got, um, you know, sort of like a lot of other plans, uh, that kind of prevented me from them watching the, the final. Um, so I did a lot of, um, sort of, uh, keeping my social media on, um, like turned the notifications off because I honestly did not want the final spoiled for me and I didn't get it spoiled. So I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah, right, they like said, but it's uh it's really, really good that we're just about to start. But before we do, just want to talk about maybe picks, because we can't obviously put any points on the line now. But we're just talking about certain wrestlers maybe that we had uh an eye out for in this one. So, um well Monty start with you, who were you kind of looking at in this tournament as kind of maybe a pick to win or someone to keep an eye on? <clears throat> Well, you know, honestly, again, after watching it, so, uh, you know, watching this much, much as I always have, Okada is always a, a big favorite when he's not the champion. 
<laughs> to end up in the block finals or around. So it was hard to not think of him, but I'm always rooting for Tetsu Unaito. He had a storyline going into this G1, just like every year he wants to get back to the dome so he can finally complete his roll call that was cut short by Kenta, which I'll bring up much more as we keep going here. But yeah, I, I was looking out for Naito on his block because I knew it would be tough. I knew D-Block would be fun to watch because of all the storylines. So it was hard for me to pick one person, so I'm biased. I chose Naito. But uh, as far as looking at all the blocks and possible matchups, I was excited for a little bit for everything, if you see what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, and this is the thing, since Forbidden Door, you know, we possible dream matches or certain talents. Uh, Jax, was there anybody that you definitely wanted to see and keep an eye out in this G1 after the Forbidden Door? Um, I think we, we kind of already made it very abundantly clear how thirsty I can be for Okada. So I definitely was rooting for him. Um, I think that the other person I really was uh, kind of intrigued to uh, watch more of was uh, Tamatonga. And um, I just really enjoyed kind of uh, finding out some backstory about, you know, um, like his history with the Bullet Club and you know it the the commentators did a really good job of like kind of repainting the the pictures of each of these characters so if you are new going into G1 um you start to kind of get a clear indication as to what relationships have been formed and things like that throughout all of these different wrestlers uh it it really was quite a refreshing sort of new content to watch i would say because but for for that very reason um and kind of left me feeling more intrigued to wanting to go back to see what you know um what some of these wrestlers have actually gone through and been through so yeah i definitely would say probably uh the top two i was really intrigued to see was Okada and uh tamatonga yeah what about that gina what about you I know Ricky Starks wasn't in the G1, but who who have you kind of gravitated, you know, who have you gone towards? I mean, I'm not going to lie, I really loved uh, United Empire, and I really found myself gravitating towards Will Ospreay. Um, so, like, every time one of his matches came up, I just found myself really excited to zone in on that match. Um, so I definitely think that he would be at the top of my list of excitement going into it, but a lot of them... Um, impressed me. I was kind of impressed with how far um, that Naito has come. And again, I'm I'm not familiar with uh, all of the wrestlers and their stories, so I don't know, you know, who's at the top at the moment or who's not. But I kind of pegged him as an underdog in the beginning. I didn't really think that he was going to get far. So I was really intrigued to see his sort of journey throughout it with like a fresh pair of eyes as someone who didn't know him. Mm. But I'd, I'll definitely say I think Will Ospreay was my favourite. Yeah, I think, well, I think for me it's really interesting because especially state wrestling has been in for two years now. It's like even with my picks, it, and I say picks, it's like Jonah because we saw him as like Bronson Reed in NXT, the North American title, and I thought, well, how's he going to do in Japan? And he's got a face of card, and he's got, like I said, it's a monster group, uh, block even. It's going to be interesting. The same with Finn Juice as well because they were Impact Tag Team Champions, and, you know, there are two guys that have done quite a bit and now gone their separate ways. Of course, Juice uh, in Bullet Club now. Of course, Tom Laura as well, being a champion on uh, Strong and then seeing him kind of take the step up again is interesting. And then the British boys, obviously, Will Ospreay 
and Zach Sabre Jr. But even like Jay White, you know, who seen so when we say this first, this is what is difficult for me because I was going, I'll try and only follow a couple of stories, but in the end, it was just the kind of the vast uh, majority of it. But we will get started now. Uh, we'll start our journey, of course, on night one, July sixteenth. Uh, watch the start. Really like the promo, the New Japan kind of promos and the way to begin the videos uh is just so kind of different and fun and monty it makes you feel like you're watching a different country do you know what i mean by that yeah it's completely different I, it's kind of like what, what you just mentioned earlier about being refreshing it's all completely different it, it gets you excited and um i know uh jackson i know you guys know about this it felt like a lot that opening they do a good job of making it feel like uh uh uh, anime, a nice battle anime about pro wrestling is about to start. Yeah. <laughs> so they. This yeah, is exactly what yeah, I was, um, agree. I I think uh, both Gina and I had said the exact same thing, um, especially with the commentator as well. Like he really hyped you up for it right at the very beginning, you know. Yeah, like they're they're great at it, and the G one also in the pandemic, a lot of their bigger events. Had the energy, but not this type of energy. This is like one of the, the first times since the pandemic that they that they really were trying to make it feel like it felt a few years ago, at least from my point of view. And this open was a good example of it. Yeah, I think about that. And I'll tell you something else that I enjoyed, you know, and I cannot believe it. I can still watch it in 2022, is uh, watching Takamichi Noku wrestle. That was, that was a pleasure. And uh, yes, again, especially with Dick Togo, you know, elsewhere, you just think, come on, <laughs> we're one member away from the reunion everybody wants. You know, the greatest. Taki is such a bitter old man now, too, by the way. Does not want to be called a legend. He's known for just doing a lot of cursing in Japan. He brought, he used a lot of English curse words. So, like, <laughs> so he's Taka if in Mishinoku, you know. So, yeah. Well, <laughs> great. But brilliant stuff. But we will start with the G1 and C block action. And Aaron Hinaire, is that the right now pronounce it? Uh, defeated. Hanare. Hanare. It's Aaron Hanare defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi. Um, and this is an upstart, Monty, surely, because, I mean, I thought Tanahashi would be one of the favourites, and I, I, I've got Aaron's name wrong, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> By far the biggest victory in Hanare's career, you know, when he was Toa Hanare in Hantai next to Tanahashi a few years ago, Tanahashi was like a mentor, uh, more like someone he idolised. They even teamed together in 2019's Tag League, but, you know, they didn't do well at all, and... He kind of, Tanahashi, you know, kind of told him that he needed to improve himself. Well, Hanare definitely <laughs> did that. Came back as the lethal weapon in 2021 with the United Empire. And as you can see, he's a completely different monster, man. Physical, striking beast. Like during the pandemic, instead of, you know, going back home and, and you know, and being isolated, he went to, you know, to Thailand and just started training in Muay Thai because they weren't really as affected as bad as other places. And he came back a Muay Thai beast. And this was a great highlight for Hanare to finally get a moment to shine. His first singles moment, really, on his own for him to shine. And for him to do it to somebody like Tanahashi, who, uh, like I said, his former partner. It was a great upset that that was really sweet if you've been there to watch Hanare's entire journey now. Wow. So we've got other story already. Uh, we moved to T-Block with Will Ospreay beating El Fantasma. Uh, and this was as good as I hope. Talk about ELP 
He's been in Impact as well, and obviously I've seen him on Strong. And what was interesting, I thought, about this match was there's no taunting. And you think with these two guys, there would be a lot of taunts, but there, wasn't no- there was nothing like that. The versal of those cutters were great. Uh, and, of course, we'll get the victory. He's on a different level, but I think ELP is great in his own right. Uh, Jackson, what do you think of El Phantasma? Because he popped up a few times, and he's someone that I think is, is hugely athletic. Yeah, um, I must admit, I enjoyed quite a few um, different matches of his. Um, and he he really impressed me, I think, uh, the more and more I was watching him in, throughout the G1, you know. Uh, he's one of those ones that you, you do see a lot, just kind of talking a lot of shit and stuff like that. But then, like you said, he's a high fighter and he kind of proves like his, his talent as well when in, in the ring. Um, this was a great match between the both of them anyway. Um, I enjoyed that one. I enjoyed one that he had against, I think it was Juice Robinson as well, just very entertaining. Um, so it could go either way, you know, like the, the the match with Will Ospreay was very serious and stuff, but he does have that sort of like comedic side to him as well. And we saw that um, during his match with Juice. So I, he's definitely one that I would I would like to see wrestle again. You know, I would, I would um, probably uh, like pay attention to a lot of his matches because he's done so well so far. B block action and the champion Jay White uh, defeating Sanada. Not seen a lot of him, but the paradise lock was last. A couple of choice near falls. Uh, commitment for the die job as well. You don't usually see that with the beard. And I'm interested to see who can beat Jay White. And Gene, uh, when you see Jay White, you just know he's a superstar. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, again, for me, this was it was really new just seeing kind of the way that New Japan is, uh, pro wrestling is run compared to, you know, WWE or AEW. And it's so interesting to see, even though they weren't, you know, the liveliest of crowds, and that's because of obviously that was what was the rules that were in place. You could still tell how much of a star Jay White was every time he came out. Everybody just loved him or loved to hate him and it was brilliant because he his character just comes across mm. and you can feel it yeah i think we had that, like i said and also he's in great we just the way he carries himself but hang on, i better save myself to be a lot of Jay he White. is looking absolutely <laughs> phenomenal his body is just to yeah. dribble out and honestly just he's like so, do your washing oh, on yes, it i can yeah, honestly, you really could. Like, you've got to, you've got to give him credit for his, you know, overall physique. He he's worked hard on it, and it's paid off because he looks amazing. Yeah, without a doubt. Well, and then A block action, we had uh, Akada getting his start against uh, beating Jeff Cobb. Uh, Monty, this is a tradition, isn't it? Akada versus Jeff Cobb in the G1 because I've seen this before. And also, if anybody else is wondering about the handling. Of, we've just had the champion in action, but it's Akada who main events the first night. That will tell you something as well. Uh, but it is a tradition, though, Monty, isn't it? Yeah, man. I mean, honestly, Jeff Cobb at this point should be used to putting on a good fight or, you know, being fun to watch him beat the hell out of Okada just to end up not being enough <laughs> in the end. Uh, but it's always fun, man. Like you said, two impressive athletes. And uh, uh, as much as I would like, I, I would have liked Cobb to finally get over the hump and pin him le- legitly 
in this in this particular format, I think I knew better. I think we all kind of know better when it comes to dealing with Okada here. But this is all every time they fight, every time they fight, it's always a good time. So I, I never complain about watching Jeff Cobb and Okada do their thing. Uh, but yeah, man, we like you said, champion or no champion, it's only it's only one ace, it's only one rainmaker. Uh, I know. I know Tanahashi is still the ace, but you know exactly what I mean when I say this. There's only one guy on top of the card, and that's Okada. Yeah, and Jack C, just quickly, obviously, well, your your man, were you impressed with his victory, Jeff Cobb? And I'll tell you what, Jeff Cobb, nearly as wide as Rhino, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, first of all, that was a very great comparison. He's got um, a lot of the same sort of skill set uh, that Rhino had um, or has. But yeah, it I, I I would just fangirl the minute you can you hear his music hit. You know, he, he also is a star in his own right and um just very much enjoy watching his entrance. Like he commands like sort of your attention without even trying too hard, you know. Um so for me every time he was in a match I was very excited and my full attention was, was given to him. Well we'll move on tonight to July seventeenth. B block action. We had Taichi defeating Tomohiro in the A block. Yano beat Jonah by count out. What? What the actual fuck? I mean, <laughs> I couldn't believe this. Yano style, baby. You talk about contrasting characters. Yano started a match much like I would, you know, just, just <laughs> not want to go near him. But he's so stupid. I might like him because he out tricked Jonah. This was Joe. I was annoyed. And I thought, no, Jonah should know better, you know? Uh, I guess Yano does this all the time, Monty, right? Yes, that's, this is the Yano special, man. This is the Yano special. As a matter of fact, I don't know if we're going to go into it, but when he fought Okada, you actually got to see a little bit of the old uh, Yano in that match of him basically being much more vicious and more brutal because he does have that side of him of where Yano can be, uh, uh, he can be unstoppable menace if need be, especially specifically when he dyes his hair and go back to his great bash heel days, but chaos is Yano, the scamster, the trickster, Tor Yano is that's just this is what he does. This is what he does. This is Jonah's first chance to really get in that one on one, and it's not uncommon that great wrestlers get made look made to look like idiots dealing with Yano because he had no problem giving out low blows. Tito found out too, for that matter, and Yano. Uh, it's always a good time for me. I love Yano style. He's another one of those guys that immediately when I first started to watch New Japan, I immediately was like, okay, this is completely different. Because not only is he a comedy wrestler, he's a comedy wrestler who will beat your favorite wrestler. <laughs> it's a difference. Like, a lot of comedy wrestlers have no shot. But yeah. he has surprised <laughs> them all, even Okada okay. in the past. Yeah, I have to agree with that assessment. When I first saw him in, like, a singles match and stuff, I was like, what the hell is going on? How the fuck is this guy going to survive against beasts like Jonah and Lance Archer and stuff? And, you know, his first match, you know, with uh, against uh, Jonah, and it actually just pro- he actually just proved his, <laughs> you know, tactics, and, and they were clever at different times. I must admit, I found myself highly uh, entertained watching all of his matches because he did always have a different mindset for each different match he was in. Yes. It was it was very entertaining. Yeah, I think There's nothing that. he won't try. He had a great one with Kenny years ago. Like, look it up. Kenny I can Omega. Imagine. Great... We'll move on. <laughs> C-block action. 
Black Sabre Jr. submitted Kenta. And this for me, yes all day, twice on a Sunday. I mean, is that calling everyone a dick? Uh, dickhead. I mean, it really is great. But he's also like a bear trap. Because you go <laughs> near him, you get caught. But AEW would call this a dream match. But, I mean, Kenta... Another thing about Kenta with the scars, man. Because I know him, obviously, Hideo Tami and NXT and stuff like that. But that journey, obviously, with the war with the mocks, at war with mocks and happened. But, man, to have this match so early on is brilliant. Gina, what did you think of... Because, uh, obviously, Kenta uh, uh, from NXT now coming out. And Zack Sabre Jr., man, he's like an octopus, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, the match was just great. Again, for me, I, I, I knew Zack Sabre Jr. wasn't as familiar, but I did know of Kenta, and it, the match was just great. I was so entertained by it, and it just it, it made me kind of forget which wrestling promo I was watching for a hot second. So, definitely impressed. Well, I think without a doubt, um, Kenta had it won as well, and but still, I'm over it. Uh, D-Block, we had <laughs> Juice Robinson beating Shingo. I mean, what's going on, Monty? All the people you told me were good are losing, you know? <laughs> but this is the biggest See, thing. You're, all right, I don't want to... I on. didn't want to do this. But let me tell you, this is a trope of every G1, I promise you. I'm sorry. Upsets. You got to get the people watch. <laughs> Upsets, baby. And that's what this is. The G1 is bound to have a couple, specifically in the first few shows. They do. They love to time nice upsets, and that's exactly what this was. But this was a necessary one because Juice's new attitude and him being this is the first time of him finally, you know, showing this side of himself in Japan. So for him to get this victory to kind of put put the notion out there that okay, this Juice Robinson is not the flamboyant, the happy go lucky guy who had clapping up a storm for years because of the all the, the good vibes he brought. He replaced all of that flamboyance with pure anger and spit. The thing for some is, because Juice spits a lot now. <laughs> I know this. I was going to say, I didn't think Juice could turn up his character, but he has. <laughs> it's, 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 it's like Macho in NWO. Like, that's the kind of way he is but, now. Uh, and I'm loving it. Right. No, it's great. It's exactly. I agree with that. Macho Man is a great. That's how intense he is. That's what the rock hard comes from, I guess. It's all that aggressiveness. It's like very Macho Man is. But I love it, too, this way, because Shingo still protected himself in his aftermatch comment by pointing out that the famous left hand of God that Juice Robinson has been using for years is a closed fist. We use open fists in New Japan. <laughs> so he blamed it all. He said Juice Robinson was cheating with his closed fist strike. So he tried. He protected himself by, with that. But either way it goes, it was still a, a great match. Him beating him with Pulp Friction straight clean shocked me too. But at this point, like I said, I've, I've become used to the G1 trope of early upsets. But this is a good one for Juice, like I said, to reestablish this new version of himself in Japan. Well, I've about that in the night three results, July 20th, D-Block, David Finley lost to Euro Takahashi, B-Block, Tamatonga, Beat Chase Owens, A block. Lance Archer lost to Bad Luck Farley. Uh, and then C block, Hiroku Gosu upset um, Naito as well. So again, Monty, <laughs> is this what you're telling me? Like, I've just got, you know, thinking this is only going to happen on the first couple of nights. Once we get deep in to the tournament, this is where it truly begins to heat up then. Well, the, the way I like to think about it is the longer the tournament goes on, the, the best players get better. And then the players who, who uh, the players who are not the best wrestlers or whatever, 
they tend to falter the longer the tournament goes, if you see what I'm trying to say. Or they never had a shot in the first place. <laughs> so, like, you got, you got that spectrum. You got, like, a lot of times, it's, you, got, you got a couple of ways. You can go dominant, completely dominant, like Jay White most of the tournament or whatever, or, uh, or like O'Connor usually does. Or you can be one of those guys who started off rocky but then got on the street, got hot. It, 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 like I said, as you watch, the more G1s you see, you'll be just like me and you start picking up on certain screens. Oh, but, thinking. you know, it happens, though. Perspective. To put it in perspective to maybe people that never, you know, just watched this for the very first time. Yeah. Imagine watching yeah. the Rumble match and the guy that come in at number five has now got three or four eliminations and cleared the ring. Doesn't mean he's going to carry on and win the Rumble. Yeah. It means that, you know, the next entrant is and a he guy. eliminated a favorite, an early favorite. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. people you thought was going to win it. But this guy... Does not withhold, does not keep it going, basically. So that's basically what happened. So basically, no point looking at the table to about halfway. Thanks for that, Monty. Well, we move on to <laughs> night four, July 23rd. The long journey. Yeah, without doubt. C block action. Zach Sabre Jr. beat Aaron Hanare. D block. Shingo got his first win versus Yoshihashi. And A block action. Akada beat Toriyanu. And of course, with both men on one win each, I don't think there's any way Santino was beating Cena. Uh, but Jackson, what do you think of this? Because like Monty mentioned, we saw a different side to Yano in this. Yeah, um, again, it, it's for me, everything is still quite relatively new. But it was interesting to kind of be watching all these different uh, ways of wrestling. A lot of the wrestlers in New Japan have different kind of training or, or tend to have a different kind of training from what those that wrestle in uh, American-based uh, um, companies have. So it was really interesting to see all these different uh, skill sets get brought into it. Um, Aaron Hanara is, is, is kind of one of those ones that's pretty un- unpredictable in terms of his moveset as well. So again, another quite enjoyable match of just kind of watching. I didn't actually have a favourite. I just was intrigued to see who was going to be the better man in this match. And B-block action, we had uh, Jay White down in Tomohiro Ishii, uh, which was interesting because Ishii beat Jay White early this year for the next open weight title. And it's well, Jay White's probably only his main loss, I think, in maybe the past 12 months. White did spend a lot of time outside in the open. It's not bad. And I don't mind Jay clapping instead of talking. You know, no one's really done that before. <laughs> So, so maybe it could. It He's could an work. asshole, Jay. <laughs> He's an asshole. He know the people. He know the people can't talk, so he claps to mock them. Come on, man. <laughs> He's just an asshole. That's yeah, all, Jay. It's just, just class. It's little things, you know. Just uh, what we like to see. Night five results, July twenty fourth. Uh, D block El Fantasma beat uh, Hero Takahashi for his first win. B-block action, Sonada got his first win against Taichi. A-block, Jeff Cobb got his first win versus Bad Luck Fale. And C-block, Hiroshi Tanahashi beat Naito for the Aces' first win. Uh, so Tanahashi, I mean, Gina, he did main event Forbidden Door. No, he, yeah, it was main event Forbidden Door. And now he's just barely pe- uh, picking up the, the win here. Uh, but Tanahashi, do you think, you know, what do you think of this? I mean, which match was this? The one where he lost? He just beat Naito, so the Aces' first win. And what do you think of his chances oh, okay. at this point in time? I mean, well? 
again, because I was quite focused on, on Naito, I, I assumed he was going to win it. So for me, I was like, oh, okay, this can win a match. Because again, for my first match seeing him, he lost. So I didn't know whether he was just going to be one of those ones that loses to everybody in the first part. So yeah, it was interesting to see. But um, again, because they're so new to me, I don't know what, which one I preferred over the other in terms of w- when I was watching it. Um, I just found myself enjoying the equal blows that they were giving each other and being surprised by that ending, which is nice and fresh to actually not know who's going to come out the winner. Yeah, and this is the thing as well. I think Kakada, we know, like, he's the man. So whoever else, you know, it's like with Shingo, uh, I would put with these two guys as well. Of like, I know New Japan thinks a lot of them, but we don't know what position they're in, you know, like a ranking type. And I think this is kind of sorting it out. And Aito again, <laughs> second match, second loss. Monty, were you panicked yet? <laughs> or did you... I've seen, I've seen this before. I said, no, I wasn't. No, because this six matches. If this was nine matches, yes, I would've been fine because I've seen him string a bunch of wins together, even uh, not doing the best at the beginning. Hell, I've seen Tanahashi do that in years past. Uh, this, uh, by the way, it's funny. You know, uh, so Tanahashi and Naito have so much history together. Like, Naito was the chosen one in 2010 when, when they had a great match together. Tanahashi held his hand up and said, Tetsuya Naito, me and you are going to make classics together. And you're going to be basically anointing him the new ace. Well, 2010, guess who showed up in 2012, two years after that? The actual person who stepped in and named Okada, of course. <laughs> uh, but he he was not really in the, he wasn't a playing variable. He ended up just being so much, you know, what he became. But anyway, the point about this is him and Naito have have got like a, it's kind of like a teacher-student rivalry, but at the end of the day, it's way more personal. Like Naito rejected that, did not want to be his, uh, basically his clone. And, uh, you know, of course the fans eventually uh, rejected him. So it's like, it's a whole lot of stuff. Trust me, I can go down, I can go forever when it comes to that. But the point is, Tetsuya, uh, Tetsuya Naito, for years has been uh has had the upper hand, even though the record says that they were still like pretty close. Their career eight and eight against each other now because of this loss. Because uh Tanahashi again out wrestling the uh you know his guy in this situation. But you know, getting to roll up the way he did with all of the pressure uh that they have basically always had against each other, this was a, a monumental win for Tanahashi who has been struggling these last few years to to return back to his old ace form. So the ace that you guys got to see in Forbidden Door's main event is the face of New Japan ace. And he's a representative. He's like an ambassador. But in New Japan currently, he is a guy who is looked at as a little bit, you know, past his prime and still trying to show that he is still the ace of New Japan. So uh, I just wanted to give you guys clarification on the version of Tanahashi you're kind of seeing now based on how he felt when you saw him fight uh, in the main event. Yeah, yeah, I hope that helped a little bit. So Yeah, it, it does actually kind of confirm, like, I kind of had a feeling like it was kind of like that as well. Um, or I would, that's how it, like, he was eventually starting to come across to me, uh, you know, yeah. kind of like a, I, I also don't know if this is a bit of a biased opinion, but I, w- I was very much like, to be honest, now that I'm watching this, I question why it wasn't Okada facing John Moxley, uh, and why it was Tanahashi and stuff. You know, I think um, it was the quickness of losing his belt. 
O'Connor yeah. lost his belt like two weeks before that. So yeah, switching yeah. switching motivations that quick probably didn't make yeah. more sense. But they had already that, gave it to Tana. Yeah, and that's that's really true as well. So, but I mean, that being said, it's not that I I don't enjoy uh, Tanahashi. I think he's very talented and everything. Um, but I do also kind of agree that maybe he doesn't realize that he's past his prime. Um, but I oh yeah, that- no, don't ever say that to him. <laughs> no, he don't. He don't acknowledge it. No, <laughs> they don't acknowledge that's, it. That's <laughs> he comes across as the type of guy that you just would not say that to. You would just. Yeah. You would actually Same thing Suzuki. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You would, <laughs> we'd entertain that, you know, and they are very entertaining still. So it's not like you can go wrong with that. But at the same time, yeah, it's, uh, it was interesting to just be watching him throughout this tournament, you know? Yeah, I think without doubt. And it's like it's really interesting overall because, you know, we have assumptions coming into it from certain ways of how wrestlers treated it. And obviously Monty with the deep dive there about it but it's always it, this is what i love about wrestling as well is the outsider's take it to come in is a is a fresh pair of eyes and a new look you know it's a yeah. new story as well which was even interesting uh night six july 26th b block chase owens beat your hero mine great okan a c block evil beat kenta by count out and i thought kenta you know if he lost but there was other reasons why <laughs> kenta kept losing monty wasn't there Oh my god! I just love how everything was fine once they decided they're gonna promote his book. <laughs> like Kenta's relentless promotion of this book, even though he was continuing to tell us in his comments, "I'm done promoting my book," he never stopped promoting <laughs> that book. Even after it released, he was continuing to promote it. He was promoting the restocks. He, oh, Kenta was a masterful promoter. <laughs> this entire I love. <laughs> And his, unfortunately for us, his autobiography was only in Japanese, so it would, it would have been nice if we get one, you know, uh, you know, for everyone to see. But say that again. I actually looked it up to see if I could get his book, and I was definitely <laughs> that is not in English. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He has great stories, though. One of the greats of this last, you know, twenty years in in Japanese for wrestling and just wrestling around the world, but. Uh, honestly, though, he he did a great job here, and like you said, like Dick Togo. By the way, don't don't even get me started. Like I can go forever on what evil has become, but leveraging uh, count out victory for promoting the book, I did love it because Dick Togo, no, he screwed Kenta. <laughs> his apology was like, "Oh, look, I'll show everyone the book." He even he even posed with it, like, "Huh, buy this." <laughs> thing with Kenta. The thing with Kenta. Is that he blamed other things as well, you know. It wasn't it wasn't just kinda like normal oh, interference. Yeah. Poor cameraman. <laughs> Tell me cameraman, whenever he showed up, it just so happened to be when Kenta loses. <laughs> it's just it's just great, great stuff. Uh, a block action. Uh, Archer beat filthy Tom. Uh, Archer is a different beast in Japan. I mean it was Dynamo versus Strong in Styles. Uh, Arch was cut down, but Tom decided to taunt at the wrong time. Uh, Gina, like I said, it's all about Lars Archer. It is a different dude, isn't it? When you say different dudes, what do you mean in terms of compared to... 
compared to Lance Archer and Dynamite compared to New Japan. Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) No, definitely. I mean, for me, on on New Japan, he just came across as a lot more dominating. A lot of people seemed scared of him. And he just seemed to have this aura about him (laughs) that definitely isn't on his AEW character. If you ask me, I think he should remain in New Japan because I think he's much bigger there and he was great. He was so entertaining to watch. I was looking forward to all of his matches too. Um, and because he was somebody that was familiar, I was I was more keen to watch those matches when they had um, wrestlers that I was more familiar with. So I was then learning more about the New Japan wrestlers that were in those matches with them. So it was a lot harder for me to concentrate in the earlier matches between two sort of New Japan wrestlers that I didn't know anything mm-hmm. about. But I grew to know about them the more interest I grew, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, with, with Tom Lawyer, I mean, we, we probably might, shouldn't, you know, we should oh, talk about him a little bit more. But oh. Denim on Denim's a look, isn't it? <laughs> I, I, I'm really sorry. I could not stand his character. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's a great wrestler. <laughs> I just couldn't stand his character. <laughs> well, the thing is about Japan is a gift that keeps on giving because he is it kind of the G1, but even the matches that are happening like, on the undercard and kind of filling it up. Uh, we were speaking about on actual chat in itself, and it was Jaxie saying with Will Ospreay's interactions with Lance Archer was just hilarious in themselves, you know? Yeah, that was some of my favorite stuff. Just watching his frustration—it—it was—it really just humanizes uh, the wrestlers. And just seeing Will Ospreay's frustration at like failing time and again uh, to uh, be able to really successfully land a successful hit on Lance Archer—I was just—I was so entertained. <laughs> that is exactly what you know any any person would do when. They, they, they're just at a loss at what, what to do to get this big man down, you know? <laughs> yeah, but, you know, and it's, like I said, and also the language they can use. I don't know if there is, Monty, is there a, like a filter in New, uh, Japan or don't they know what they're saying? <laughs> like, because Zack Sabre Jr., if he was wrestling at NXT UK, it would just be like a prolonged beat. They know. <laughs> Trust me, they they. I don't, I'm not gonna say I know if the, all the Japanese wrestlers know, but everyone who speaks English knows that they can give, they can do whatever they want. It's raw, man. Uh, yeah. It's completely uncut, completely uncut. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, I actually think that it's potentially. This is just a guess on my end, but it could be that the company don't mind that they're like that they're like this because you know they don't get loads of uh, boos or cheers from the crowd, sort of like helping on the whole idea of who's a face and who's a heel. So, you know, the wrestlers have to do a lot of that through chatting shit, you know? And so that is the best way to solidify yourself as a heel. I I can just imagine that the Japanese probably don't take as much offense to the swear words that they use. It's complete freedom. They have complete freedom, man. A lot of it. I took from it. Uh, It does feel like, you know, the wrestlers can be a lot more relatable in this in this sense as well because I just found all of them, all of the wrestlers, I didn't really look at as, oh, this is their character. Like, I was looking at it like, this is them. Like, it feels a lot more realistic. Like, it doesn't really yeah. feel like they're putting on a persona. And I think that actually helps with, with uh, you know, sort of building those storylines and things. 
Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. And then we had D-Block action, Juice versus Finn. Uh, the former Impact and IWGP tag champs, Finn Juice met for the first time since going their separate ways. And even if Juice does have the club, Finley produced a career-defining performance and win to show he is not the Genetti. And he also took the US title from Juice which does belong to Will. Uh, I've really dug this story because obviously as a team I was invested and it's always good because this is the kind of start, literally, of what Finley will become as a singles and obviously Hill Juice as well, Monty. Yeah, I agree. And honestly, it's meaningful for so many reasons. It was in Currican Hall, I believe. And that audience got a chance to see David Finley, Juice, and even Jay Wright, when he was uh, when they were young lions, they were often always teamed up together. I mean, they were mostly the mo- I think they were pretty much the only foreign people in their you know, young lion class. So that's a smart reason why they was always together. But uh, you know, they watched them and seen them grow. And now, not only has Jay White turned his back on Finley, but Juice has also turned his back and joined the Bullet Club on David Finley. So. And before this match, the way Juice talked about his former uh, former friend, you know, and basically just saying he was nothing. And the only reason why he was ever any good was because of his father, you know, and of Dave Finley. Uh, well, you know, the Finley, I guess, would be a great way to say it in this case. But uh, and for Finley to win big here in this spot, like I said, in that arena, uh, giving Juice everything he deserved and more with the great match. And just like you said, the moment with the shillelagh taking the belt, it was all just – it all came together perfectly. And like I said, if you add that little context that Juice Robinson, Jay White, Dave Finley were all in the same class, learned, you know, uh, you know, picked up things together in the dojo just for Jay White to leave Fort Scourge and come back. Seemed like he was going to be in chaos, but then join Bullet Club. And then Juice Robinson – to be a good guy for as long as he had. He never even needed an excursion. They kept him in Japan. And he just basically debuted his flamboyant Juice Robinson. And for him to switch on him and become what he's become now, it was a great moment to watch Finley get a little bit of that revenge. Right. Now, night seven results, July 27th. D-block, Will Ospreay beat Yurihiro Takahashi. A-block, Toyanu lost to Bad Luck Fale. C-block, Haruku Gotu beat Aaron uh, Hinare. And B-block, Tamatonga lost to Tomohiri Ishii. Now, Ishii's another dude, like we talked about earlier. Beating uh, Jay White this year. Beating Tamatonga. But then again, and again, you know, the way what happened in the G1. Losing elsewhere. And we talked about even someone like Tanahashi, who is still considered a big star. Uh, when it comes to Ishii, it just seems... it's, it's Again, it's really good booking. Because it shows he can win big matches... But it's like the distance between the matches now, you know, it's like Ric Flair losing on Raw. Yes. So that, do you know what I mean? Like, but he can still put right. out a big one every now and again. Right, right, right. That's exactly. And, and I'm glad you noticed it because if the rumors are true and he may be slowing down as far as being uh, in the G1 going forward, who knows, uh, especially with all the injuries. Ishii is a monster, though. He, to be fair, I hate to say this, but that's been the story of his career. Exciting performances, you know, can win big matches, but never win, like never those big, big matches. And he even mentioned that going into this G1 on how he can always give a great performance, but cannot win the big one. So it, it just it seems like that's the storyline that they're going with when it comes to the Stone People. He doesn't have much to say, but you can, that's how great Ishii is. He doesn't even have to tell you anything. 
everything you need to know about Ishii is done in between those ropes. And it, yeah, like you said, the fact that you can just see from his from his body language and just from the way he's being booked, the fact that he's slowly but surely wearing down, that was a great catch, mm. in my opinion, Jack. Good catch. Thanks, thanks. Uh, no, I, I, I'm going to be horrible to you now as well. The next, because this is already written, all right? But you've just been nice to me. But then I put night eight, July 30th, D block. David Finley got the biggest upset of the G1 so far as Monty's boy, Shingo, lost to Finley. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> but what a victory for Finley here. Yeah, uh, I, 100%. I, I was not expecting this, in all honesty, uh, especially since, the, especially with how Shingo had pretty much started that turn, started the tournament out. But honestly, at that point, I was like, okay, well, this block is going to get really interesting down the line if he's got victories here. And I knew Osprey was next, so I'm like, okay, this is going to be really, really interesting when it comes to Finley's side. And then when it came to Shingo, it was just I couldn't believe he lost, but he got out-wrestled. And, and, uh, you know, and Finley taking advantage of that moment and just winning, he was on a roll of a lifetime. And I, if it's one thing, I, like I told, I mentioned earlier about G1, when somebody is on a run and they're rolling, you know what I'm saying? Anything can happen. So this really ended up not being too surprising, even though I would not lie about being shocked by the result. Mm. Well, the A block action, Jonah got his first win versus Tom Lawyer. I mean, Tom had an unlucky draw in the Gene 1. <laughs> All right. Uh, but Jonah, though, is money, man. <laughs> he looked like King Kong on his entrance, and he had to wait 11 days for the first to second match, but he is a killer indeed. Uh, Jaxi, Jonah, throughout the whole tournament, the way he carries himself is just this huge monster. Right? I mean, like, I've I got to admit, you know, watching him uh, continuously throughout the G1, I continuously said, and why don't we see this, this Jonah? It, when he was Bronson Reed, like we, you know, we saw like a decent amount of it on NXT, but like the way that he was packaged when he came to the sort of like brief, he, he had a brief run, didn't he, on the main roster? Or am I making that up? No, he didn't get called up in the end. It was only in, in NXT. Uh, okay. and, I think it was yeah. probably towards the end of his tenure in NXT. Then probably didn't help with two point but it just, yeah, it was just a bit disappointing to see kind of this this Jonah, you know, and I was like, why have we not seen this before? It's kind of similar to sort of FTR, in my opinion. When they were in uh, WWE as uh, the revival, uh, I didn't. I, I kind of just saw them as a joke team. And since them joining AEW, they literally are in, like, my top three, ta- like, tag teams. You know, they're, they're top guys, you know, and it's the same, exactly the same with Jonah. The way that he came across throughout the G1, uh, he's a top dog. You know, so great comparison there. I didn't actually even do that on purpose, but it's great. All right, that will be Blocks and Ala Beat Japan's hero and ours, the Great Khan. C Block Hiroshi Tanahashi ruins Zack Sabre Jr.'s perfect score. Yes, the two losers from the Forbidden Door showed everyone how good they really are at wrestling, even though Zack had his arm under the rope when the pin was made. But again, Gina, we saw these two guys losing at Forbidden Door. We wondered how they perform in a G1, and they just give us a fantastic match. Yeah, it was so interesting watching their match again and remembering that they had that match on, on Forbidden Door. And to be honest, again, I hadn't seen much of these guys, so I didn't know too much. 
And I was excited to see them come back and do this match again. And it was so good and entertaining. And it was it made it more and more enjoyable because I remembered some backstory from what happened with them. So, yeah, it was enjoyable. Right, shall I have that? Well, night 9, July 31st. From now on, it is five block matches on a card. An A block action was uh, Jeff Cobb versus Lance Archer. Jim Ross would be drooling over this on commentary. I just heard his voice. I mean, two big men throwing the other around. Who doesn't love that, eh? Meaty men slapping meat is what we need. Cobb, bam. I don't know if you've ever seen that before. He did. The tour of the islands was banana as well. Um, Jaxie, this was just great action between these two guys. Yeah, highly entertaining. Um, I I just kind of um re- again re reevaluate what I said when um it comes to like their different wrestling forms and things, and it was just really intriguing to keep on watching sort of the back and forth between these two because you just really did not know who was going to get that upper hand in that which moment, you know. And again, to show the strength of both men to be able to throw the other around. Uh, credit yeah. to that, you know. Definitely. Uh, well, D-block action with Juice Robinson, G1, got even worse as he lost to Yoshihashi. B-block, IWGP champ Jay White went free for free versus fellow Bullet Club member Chase Owens. A-block unbeaten, bad luck Falei lost to uh, Kachikiga Okada, who continues undefeated and C block Naito got his first win versus Evil. So um, a couple of um but like I said Farley's undefeated streak came to an end and he got his first win. <laughs> this was a good night for you, Monty. <laughs> yes. Anytime Naito beats Evil, that damn turncoat that he is, anytime Naito pins him, I'm happy. They had a great match. Naito finally makes Evil wrestle, by the way. Evil rarely wrestles over 15 minutes anymore because he's just trying to screw everyone at this point. But Naito always brings out the best in his old friend, and I thought they ended up having a good one. You mentioned also Jay White and Chase Owens. Uh, Jay White tried to screw his boy, gave him nothing but 200 bucks to try to try to get him to lay down for him, <laughs> and it didn't work. Uh, Chase ended up giving him a really, really good fight over that money, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, about that. <laughs> well, we, like I said, it was a good night of uh, action there. And then we get to night 10, August 2nd. Uh, B block, Tomohiro Ishii lost to our hero, Grey Okan, who got his first win of the G1. Go on, Grey Okan. Uh, you can still do this, son. A block, Tom Lock got his first win versus Juru, yeah, Toru Yano, even. B block, uh, Tamatonga beats Sanada. C block, Finley. Beat Will Osprey. Now this was a surprise. Will's look of disdain when he saw Finn with the belt, but it was a great match. But Finn takes the lead of D Block from Will. He's been on fire. Monty, t- look, we're nearly half. We're halfway through. This is is got me. You know, Finley leading at this point, losing. You know, <laughs> come on. No, I, I'm with you. This was the star making performance for me. Because of uh, who he was fighting and the fact, you know, not only has he already pinned another world champion, but the way he did this, the definitive nature in which he did this, 
to Osprey. And also, again, Osprey asking for it. Uh, you know, you mentioned Juice Robinson earlier losing his match to Yoshihashi. Well, he told Yoshihashi he sucked. Guess what Yoshihashi told Juice Robinson right before, right after that match? He said, Juice Robinson, how does he feel to lose to a wrestler who sucks? <laughs> well, <laughs> does a similar fashion happen here? Uh, Osprey was just so angry about how his title has basically just been hot potatoed around. He, he didn't already didn't take Finley that seriously or thought Finley was even on his level. And that's what ended up costing him because, as you mentioned, Finley definitely brought the fight. And I believe this is this is officially New Japan announcing or showing you because he did have an impressive New Japan Cup where he lost to Osprey. So, you know, here now in this situation, him getting up this victory, I think now him getting this victory, I think now that puts Finley on another level as maybe a possible singles babyface right now, at least someone to be in the in the U.S. title picture that's not Juice Robinson <laughs> and that's not Will Ospreay. So I do think in the, at the very least it means David Finley will be fighting for the U.S. title in the future. And other than as far as, like, what does it mean for this tournament? It just means he's on top for now. <laughs> well, well, let's, let's build some excitement, all right? So let's say, look, we're halfway through. Let's have a look at the table for the very first time. So A block, we've, of course, got Akada with three wins from three on six points. Bad Luck, Farley and Jeff Cobb on four points each. And then we've got Jonah, Lance Archer, Tom Lawyer and Toriyanu all on two points. On to B block, Jay White, three from three as well for the world champs on six. Tamatonga Sanada on four points. Taichi Chase Owens, Greater Khan, Tomohirishi all share two. And in the C block, uh, you've got Gutu, Tanahashi, Exact Saber Jr. on four. Evil, Hanare, Naito, Kenta on two. And then D block, Finley takes the lead on six points. We're lost for four. And then uh, Yoshihashi, El Fantasma, Juice, so Shingo, Takahashi, all on two points. So let's take a little break from the G1 as we are halfway through. And I just want to talk about quickly, and Monty, you know I wanted to, Kishida, his return match, July, you're the one that told me actually, so it's your fault, July 3rd, <laughs> New Japan Road, Alex Zane, Kishida and Tanahashi versus Kenta, Ishimori and Ghetto. Um, I mean, good, good stuff. Kishida had a lot of time in the ring. And this is the thing I'm a bit surprised because when a returning guy comes, even if it's a tag match, you, I'm thinking, are we going to get hot tag? But he wrestled the majority of it, which, again, is a pleasant surprise, you know? Yeah, man. Uh, you know, they sold those tickets on the base. In attendance there and watching on New Japan World, a chance to see Kushida back in his element in a New Japan ring. It was also nice for me to see, for the first time in a while, the little ace, as they used to call him, the junior ace against, I mean, a junior ace teaming with is, uh, you know, the, the real ace, Kazuchika. I'm calling him Kazuchika. God damn it. <laughs> so he's not just me, is he? Kazuchika. <laughs> Kazuchika. The ace. Tanahashi, yeah. Oh, I'm glad he don't. I'm glad he's not listening to this, or he doesn't. You know, I'm, I'm shoot. Anyway, yeah, glad it's nice to see him team up with uh, his ace partner. You know, as they were both aces of New Japan over this basically uh, over the last decade or so. They they were dominating both divisions, and so it was great to see Kushida back in his element. 
Well, July 4th, Kushida and Tanahashi versus Kenta and Ishimori. And Kushida actually tapped. <laughs> and I thought, right. you don't just walk back in and beat the champ. Exactly. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Taji Ishimori is, you know, showing you that no. I, I, welcome back, but yeah. And I love the fact that it is Taji Ishimori because Taji Ishimori is a great opponent for him because of how similar they are. You know, they're, they're, mm. they their submission, they're, he's looking for the shoulder, Kushida's looking for your arm. So it's really going to be a battle of who's going to take advantage of whose limb the best. So I, I really can't wait for them to finally have that encounter. And then July 5th, we had uh, Akada, Ishii and Zayn beating Nagata, the DKC and Clark Connors. And this I thought was interesting because Akada obviously a main talent, but he's involved in uh, no offence to the rest of them. But kind of mm-hmm. like you know, bottom to mid card, just to kind of gain more interest in the match itself by sticking a kind of superstar in that, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, for New Japan Row, a lot of times just to, to continue to build heights on their for their next tour, they will do they will do stuff like that. Uh, and uh, I agree with you; it's kind of funny to see Okada in that situation, but it's not that uncommon, right. in all honesty, in New Japan, especially. When someone like Yuji Nagata, even though he may not be in his, in, he may not be where he was or where people uh, should associate with him, he's nowhere near his prime. But his name value, he's always going to be a legend to those New Japan fans. So just just getting the chance to watch him and to, for them to look at some of the younger guys like the DKC, for example, yeah. uh, I think is also what they enjoy to do there. I think that was encouraging too. So yeah. And then uh, Tanahashi Kishida and Jado beat Bullet Club, Kenta, Taji Ishimori, and Gado. And Jado and Gado, <laughs> they were the, they used to be tag team together because I remember that either back right. in the day, wasn't it? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> not showing my age, but even then, uh, good stuff. And even better, Kushida making his Impact Wrestling debut, uh, teaming up with Motorcycle Machine Guns, calling themselves the Time Machine. And Monty, nice. yes, they are the coolest fucking. Three man team. I don't care about the trios tournament in AEW. These three got their, their match on impact um, just gone was fantastic. And um, Gina, you're going to be lucky enough to see the Motorcycle Machine Guns because they're going to be on all out now because uh, mm-hmm. Jimmy Leaf will realize he needs good tag team partners. So <laughs> hopefully. Why are they here? It's so weird that they're probably going to be heels, right? So weird. My only hope for Motor City Machine Guns is that this match is there so we get FTR versus um, yeah. Motor City at Bound for Glory. So if, if that bit of business can be done, I'll be kind of more than happy. You know? um, but this is the interesting thing about tag titles or on impact actually held by the Good Brothers at this moment in time. And the, the contracts are going to expire in the middle Bill of Hostage. July. Uh, well, it's added towards the end of August. There are tapings coming up. Weirdly enough, on Impact Well, um, we talk about the United Empire, the new... <laughs> I'm going to get really confused because there's like eight different programs connected. But the New Japan Strong, they've got new champions, which is, of course, uh, Aussie Open. And they're, Aussie rest- Open. Yeah. And they're wrestling uh, on uh, the Good Brothers on Impact as well. So there's kind of, we, d- we don't know what's kind of, so yeah, there's like three or four programs crossing over. Uh, I'm just trying to hold on at this moment in time. But with Good Brothers, you know, we, Impact's not really worked out from, in, well, they've been wrestling a lot in Japan recently, but there has been rumours about WWE. Uh, Jaxie, as an impartial, what were your thoughts on the Good Brothers 
as a team. Would you want him in WWE, even AEW? Because we saw him hanging around with Kenny Omega for a little bit, didn't we? Mm, definitely. I mean, to be fair, they're a little bit of, like their bikes, aren't they? They they go around to different teams and just team up with them um, from different companies. Uh, but that being said, I I do love this duo. I think that obviously the chemistry between them is is real. Um, they've got a lot of talent uh, that I think that was underutilized when they were in WWE. So I wouldn't recommend them going back to WWE as much as I would love to see them reunite with AJ Styles. I also just don't think that. WWE is right for them. Um, that being said, do I see them in uh, AEW again? I can I can see them in AEW again. But where I think that they um they have been shining really has been kind of seeing them in um, New Japan. Uh, I know that they they've been there before. Um, they they kind of they come across more confident and 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 uh, united. Or from what I've seen uh, of them in New Japan Wrestling, so I wouldn't mind seeing them um, in New Japan Wrestling. I know they're Impact uh, tag champs as well. I I haven't watched a lot of Impact. Um, I've watched a couple of different um, of their pay per views, so that's kind of when I get a chance to see them there as well. Um, they kind of shine more on the indie scenes, uh, and are more seen more of a big deal in the indie scenes. And I wonder whether or not. If they did uh, kind of go back to AEW, they may be like sort of underutilized and not even in a bad way. It just kind of we there's an, enough talent there at the moment that I don't feel like it, their presence is needed. You know? Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Uh, we did get some good news though because we have mentioned it on the podcast before. We've probably noticed where we're not talking about women's wrestling at all with New Japan. That's because uh, obviously in Japan we have companies like Stardom. Japan, of course, have announced um, they're creating the IWGP Women's Championship as well. There's going to be, uh, hopefully, be crowned at the first ever New Japan Stardom show on November 20th. Uh, and we're hoping to see this championship um, defended at Wrestle Kingdom as well. Uh, now, Gina, did you ever, you know, it's interesting to talk about women's wrestling, especially when it comes to Japan. But did you seem to miss it from the G1? But obviously this can only be good news to see women now on kind of Wrestle Kingdom cards and maybe even have a G1 of their own. Oh, for sure. I mean, I definitely miss seeing some women's wrestling with all with all the matches that we had to sit through for G1. It would have been, I, I felt like it would have been nice to have some women's wrestling on there. But that being said, going into watching G1, I knew that it was just, male wrestling because the females had stardom so I already knew that um, I think like for people who aren't aware of the fact that they have their own separate wrestling brands um, that probably would shock them and they probably would question why is there no females wrestling instead or we're seeing as females coming out sort of with some of the guys because some of the I can't remember everyone's name sorry but some of the guys came out with the females on their arm mm. sort of thing so um, again, like I can imagine those watching G1 and not knowing that they have separate brands to be confused why there's no uh, women's wrestling. But it's great news to hear that we're going to get a women's champ and eventually, hopefully, like you said, get our own female G1 eventually. Yeah, I think hopefully without a shadow of a doubt, you know, it'd be interesting to see because recent times well in Japan, they had the most popular wrestlers have been revealed during a TV special on TV uh, I don't even want to try and pronounce that, but I'm sorry, I won't. So the top 15 wrestlers uh, in Japan, uh, 10,000 Japanese fans 
were asked. Number 15 was Zuki Nakamura. 14 was Ibushi. 13, Maya. I'm going to get these names wrong. Iwatani. 12, Zack Sabre Jr. 11, Starlight Kid. 10, Minoru Suzuki. 9, Jay White. 8, Shingo. 7, Will Ospreay. 6, El Desperado. 5, uh, Hiro Romo. 4, Mutu. Romo Takahashi. Takahashi. Romo Takahashi. Number Romo. 3, Naito. Romo. 2, Tanahashi. 1, Akada. Now, Monty, you, you took joy from this list. Yeah, I mean, first of all, the fact that Shinsuke is still the top 15 most popular, <laughs> and he hasn't been wrestling now six years is the thing that really caught my attention. Uh, but, yeah, there's a lot of things to, 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 in, to see. and just I was very, very proud to see just how popular Zack Sabre Jr. has become. I mean, the thing is about Zack, you know, he's in, he's ingratiated himself in Japanese culture. He he, uh, he moves there. He he started, you know, he knows the language um, as best as he can, uh, as far as I know. And he he's done a, a lot of things to ingratiate himself in Japan. Same thing with Osprey, uh, you know, living there. I don't know if he still lived there, but I know he lived there for a time. And uh, and, uh, and just again ingratiating himself in the culture. So to see guys like that from not from Japan. But to be ranked so highly in this in this poll uh, was was really really cool to see because again you kind of see all that hard work and also to see how popular uh, the flag bearers of the junior heavyweight division like Hiromu and El Desperado being right there right uh, around the you know two three of the most if not the no they are the biggest Japanese pro wrestlers in the world with Naito Tanahashi and Okada they've been basically in that ranking that exact ranking right there. A one, two, three has probably been the same setup for at least the better part of the last six years or so. So uh, it was it was a great list to see again, of course, with Okada being on top, but also seeing Starlight Kid and the great Mayu Iwatani, who's been doing, uh, who's been one of the greatest in star stardom for the better part of since like 2011, pretty much. So yeah, over a decade now. Uh, so yeah, Iwatani's great. Starlight Kid is great. So again, that shows you uh, stardom's popularity also in the poll so uh yeah man it was just uh awesome for many reasons but it's was, it was cool to see that man it makes makes me wish that we had things like that where it was just all wrestling fans over here would you know do it and it wouldn't just be like from pwi or just from this source or that you know what i mean something that was directly from the people who watch it the most the fans but hey who knows maybe there's something like that i don't know i don't know anything about it. Well, speaking about something that only happens in America, uh, we're talking okay. about Hiromu Takahashi because uh, he defeated stand- yes. independent stand-up Blake Christian at the 30th of July event. And when he returned to his hotel room afterwards, he found personal items and undisclosed sum of money were missing. He reported it to the front desk. He said, I generally keep valuables with me when I'm abroad, but two T-shirts, a tank top, two pairs of shorts... And the neck pillow I'd washed and hung my room were missing. And the amount of money may not be big, but I was so pissed off that I told the front desk clerk, hey, I just got back from a show and everything is gone. I had a lot of help here filing damage reports and so on. I think people are planning to travel abroad should be cautious. I wouldn't mind people the overseas travel is scary. Although they may have forgotten about it due to COVID. I want to make people to believe uh, never to leave important things at hotels and not go out. But America is great. <laughs> hey, hey, man! I'm telling you, it, it can happen. It, it definitely can happen. That's 
It's sad that, that that's that's what we you know that's what now and now look at me I gotta represent the country. <laughs> you in <laughs> every couldn't. the yeah. hotel. Yeah, I gotta represent all of us. Ah, whatever. No, no, it it sucks. Though. It sucks that you know again we have people coming over here traveling abroad. But I do agree with them. You know, of spreading that message because a lot of people in Japan have not been uh, traveling since this whole thing been going on. So it's not. I do agree with him being the role model that he is of trying to, you know, warn a lot of his fans about, you know, the dangers of that. Because obviously that doesn't happen everywhere. Now I'm not, I'm not, I'm unaffected because I'm used to hearing about this type of thing. <laughs> so, so I that, think take that what you will, James. I'm no, used no, to no, it. We're going to go back to the G1. Should I play the King of Sports theme again? I think I should. I mean, I'm going to play that and we'll go back to action. King of Sports. New Japan for Wrestling. I fucking love that. So here we go. Night 11, August 5th. D block. We've got Yurihiro Takahashi defeating Juice Robinson. B block, Taichi beating Chase Owens. C block Tetsuya Ito uh, beating uh, Aaron Hanare. And the A block, the match I've been waiting for, Jonah uh, beating Jeff Cobb. But you know this match is going to be good when there's a round of applause to start. <laughs> These were just two balls just running into each other. Jaxi, Cobb versus Jonah was just incredible. Did you think the ring was going to break with the weight of the superplex? <laughs> Um, yeah, I th- I, at one point I definitely said that, and I, I'm pretty sure the commentators did too. Um, it was it, they both went hard, and you could tell that they just both used their full strength. Uh, the match was amazing. It was just kind of like a a rush to watch because you just really didn't know who was going to be be the overall winner um, and the overall outcome of this match. It was crazy. It went hard. Both men went hard. Yeah, and I love the fact Jonah quickly follows up the tsunami splash learning from maybe earlier mistakes you know just trying yeah. to get it just job done you know definitely i mean he definitely he, he proved uh how much of a beast he could be when let off the leash so to speak you know yeah without a doubt c block evil lost to hiroshi tanahashi uh and then on to night 12 august 6th d block yoshi hashi bl phantasmo a block toriyanu lost to lance archer C block, my man Zack Sabre Jr. beat uh, Hiroko Gotu by submission. And B block, our hero, Greater Khan versus Jay White. Uh, Greater Khan makes chicken noises. Jay White says, I ain't a motherfucking chicken. Gina, can we get this anywhere else apart from the G1? I mean, I love it. I mean, Greater Khan may be out of the running, but pure entertainment. And he is a hero, let's not forget. Oh, for sure. I mean, I loved Great Okan again. I I loved seeing him, you know, tag with Will Spray and Ozzy Open sometimes. So, um, in the in the tag sort of tournament part, but watching him in this match was just great. And you're not going to get this sort of entertainment anywhere else. You really not because, like, <laughs> I think like if you saw anyone else trying to pull off like doing the chicken and then someone screaming at him like he's, he's not a fucking chicken. I don't think that would be... It would be more taken in a cheesy light rather yeah. than in New Japan. It was more just comical and, and great. So I agree with you there. Well, the other thing that's interesting is here in the commentary talking about Great Khan, And obviously, Monty, you've mentioned it. He's kind of like the, the promo guy 
for for the group. But he's kind of like the golden boy of New Japan as well, which is so yeah. interesting to hear. You know, he's a prodigy. He's a prodigy, man. He he shined. He he was one of those guys who was uh, already one of the greatest amateur wrestlers in Japan before he joined the dojo. So when he got to the dojo, he he, he just picks things up naturally and. This character, I don't even, I can't even explain his origin. It's, it has Chinese influences, but it also has Mongolian influences. Hence, why besides him taking it from uh, from Tenzin, the Mongolian chops that he loves doing complete uh, all the time. But he's just, it's no one like Oka, and I think that's the thing. Whatever, whatever, whenever he went on excursion, he was figuring out how he wanted to return to Japan. He just hit the perfect combination of of like not only. Uh, like a great character or unique, it, he keeps you watching because you've never seen anyone who moves like him. You've never seen one who does his in, the entrance like him. And then again, in his the, the way he speaks, he doesn't not even he doesn't even uh, uh, t- talk about himself as a singular person. He talk he says us, but he's only talking about himself. <laughs> but he's speaking <laughs> of it as like the great Okan is an entity. Like Okan is nothing like Oka. And again, to watch what he's become, like I seen him when he was a young lad. So I never in the realm of my possibility, like I never thought when I when I saw Oka when he was a young lad, I never thought he would become just as great as he is. But he's great in the ring. And obviously, like you said, character work is top notch right now. And he showed how well how well around he was in the match with Jay White and just how good that he really can do. And then that fighting spirit, you go, you hear it all the time here. And that's what New Japan is all about. He fought all the way to the very end until the, uh, you know, the Blade Runner was complete, so it was it was awesome. It was well, awesome. even with that, the the grip was still in, you know, and that's what's <laughs> so important about you know, it. It's a death grip, and so Jay White had to use that, you know, to put Greater Khan down. But again, it told the story of it, uh, which was just kind of so much fun as well. Uh, and D Block uh, Takagi beat our boy Will Ospreay. In a match of the year, candidate. I mean, this is on point for the first moment. Um, Jack, see, I'll ask you about this because, you know, Meltzer. My only issue here is Meltzer, all right? Because the thing is, I thought this was a great match. But he ranked this like five mm. and a half stars. My thing about this did is... Did he like, Yeah, he did. So this is better than HBK wow. versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania. And for me, I just... Yes, it was a great match, but I don't think it was on that level. Mm, yeah, I mean, Meltzer's uh, opinions on certain matches and certain wrestlers just don't seem to, you know, I don't seem to share the same opinion as him. Um, so to be honest, I just take what he says and I just let it go out my other ear because if he just like he doesn't really make much sense to me. And this was one of the best matches I've seen so far in the G1. Yeah, it was. I mean, like I said, it was a great match, you know, like Monty. Even with your kind of New Japan glasses on, was this how how good a match was this? Do you know what I mean? Was it really better than those classics we've seen at like WrestleMania? Ah, from a from a pure in ring standpoint, I can um, I can I can make arguments, but like as far as like like Taker and HBK, like of course it had all types of storytelling that is ignored. If you see what I'm trying to say, if you say that this is better than that, but again, I don't. Again, it's just like what Jack said. I take Meltzer's opinion for exactly what they are. Opinion. A lot of people got them. Who cares? Most people, like, whatever. I know what I think, and I and at the end of the day, I know Shingo and Will Ospreay are wrestling soulmates. If you look at his five-star matches, 
Look at how many of them is, is uh, for Osprey. It seemed to be linked up with Shingo. It didn't matter where they was at. It don't matter if it's junior heavyweight. Doesn't matter if it's heavyweight. They do not miss this. Honestly, I don't necessarily know if this is better than some of the stuff they've done in the past. So I can't. I'm not gonna, you know, say that it was greater than the greatest thing I've ever seen or whatever like that. But I will say that they have a better chemistry almost than anybody. Like, they are made for each other, if you see what I'm trying to say, yeah. as far as, like, what they can do inside their ring. Shingo Smash Mouth style uh, with the f- mixed in with the finesse of Osprey, but, you know, Osprey is also very, very physical. And, again, Shingo is also very – can be very explosive, too. They just butt heads perfectly. And uh, I think this is just another great encounter, man. I- I'm never – uh, disappointed when they go one-on-one. Yeah, I mean, like I said, with Gina as well, this is why we're watching the G1. You know, we might not be accustomed to everybody, but when we see someone like Shingo show out Osprey, it's like, yeah, this is really good stuff, you know? Yeah, for sure. I definitely agree with that. Again, I can't, like, remember everybody's name, like, but their faces obviously are in my memory. So if mm. I do get names mixed up, then sorry, I'm still getting used to everyone, but Again, it's just more insight for me to just learn and gravitate towards these new um, these new wrestlers I'm being introduced to. Well, this is the thing, and you know, like the names and the finishing moves and the characters that will come. But it's something to take your attention to actually be like, no matter what language you're in, it's still good wrestling. <laughs> and that's I think that's the important thing to take away from it. Yeah, for sure. You enjoy it in the wrestling. same you you enjoy it in the same capacity, no matter what language is. is it's being based in you enjoy it in the same capacity no matter what and it's just that's that's a lovable thing about wrestling yeah i think we're out you know um really really good stuff so night 13 august 7th c blocks aaron hanare lost to evil a block tom lawyer got his second win versus bad luck bad luck farle d block phantasma he won the uh he might have won the arm wrestling but Juice Robinson won the match. I don't know if I've laughed as hard in a wrestling match for a long time with the uh, ELP and the Juice Robinson arm wrestling. Uh, and again, we've spoken about it tonight okay. with the language kind of involved in the promos and this kind of shenanigans that happens. This is why New Japan's so much fun, Monty, isn't it? You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, first of all, for, the, for years, it wasn't even factions in a lot of other promotions for me, so... The, to see them fighting each other while being in the same faction and, again, starting it off like they weren't going to take it seriously. And then as they continued to frustrate each other, it got more and more personal to the point where Juice is, instead of, like you said, arm wrestling, now he's pile driving him on the stage. <laughs> so, again, the contrast there, but, again, you don't have those elements. Like I said, it's completely different. Even when I mentioned earlier with Chase Owens and Jay White, Jay White attempting to pay him off. All of those elements, because they are in the same organization. If Jay win, they all win. At least that's what Jay wants them to think. But, you know, of course, everyone everyone as the viewer can see, oh, no, Jay is just using you. Same thing goes in this situation. Uh, Juice Robinson riled ELP up and literally got him caught up with the first DQ finish. Again, by the way, a DQ finish in this situation that made complete sense. I was devastated for ELP the same way he was, and he sold it too. Just like, God damn it, I, I let him, you know, screw me. And that's exactly how it turned out. Yeah. Uh, but a great uh, slime ball victory for Juice. <laughs> the thing about that match as well is that it was so it was so funny, but yet so serious as well at the same time. 
and it's the smallest thing but I was absolutely wetting myself at Juice Robinson just grabbing the referee's hand interlocking his fingers with him and walking him back down to the ring <laughs> like he was walking him across the crossing like he was walking a child across the <laughs> crossing or something I, I found that part so hilarious and it's like Again, only in New Japan, I think that that would work and just bring me to absolute tears over. That, that's another um, that's another sort of joyous thing that I've grown to sort of appreciate about New Japan wrestling is how involved different in different ways the ref end up and ends up becoming in the match, um, especially when it comes to the Bullet Club. The Bullet Club really <laughs> just take a lot of their yeah. frustration out on the ref. <laughs> Um, and it's just, you know, devastating to watch these refs kind of get bullied in the ring. But you cannot deny how highly entertaining it can be as well. And Juice and El Fantasma just did such a great job. Like, that match really stands out for me as one that I highly remember a lot. And it was because of the funny factors that came with the fact that it got so serious real quick, you know? And, and the use of motherfucker in the wrestling ring. Juice has got it down. You know, there's there's not many wrestlers around that can use yeah, it. Many he's like a little, he's got, he's got a, a whole batch of Tourette's the minute he, he walks into that circle, doesn't he, really? <laughs> it's just a, That's it's not just... new, by the way. He, he was like that before he joined the club. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, like you said, turned like up the character. Dog, just... He comes across like a rabid dog that you just can't control. And like the minute he flips, that's, that's it, like... He's he's out for blood, you know. Honestly, it, it was really really good stuff. Uh, B block to Mirishi lost to Chase Owens. A block Akada versus Jonah. Well, Akada took Jonah to a different place. Uh, this was great. The crowd reacted big uh, for this. And Jonah, I mean, what a shock! I mean, they, even the commentary they mm-hmm. they mentioned Vader beating Anoki. Um, Akada. On- no more. If Jonah hasn't got a contract, sign in quick. Otherwise, Triple H will be on the phone. Uh, Jaxie, what performance yeah. from Jonah? What a shock. A card to losing, eh? Definitely. I mean, this match went hard. Again, this is another match that really stood out for me. It was highly entertaining, but in, in ways that were just like purely sports related. Uh, you know, um, trying to watch Okada accomplish what everyone thinks is like unaccomplishable, which is like lifting Jonah up the way he did eventually uh, when he did it. It was incredible to see, you know, but overall perseverance just came through for Jonah. And as much as I'm, I love Okada, I have to give it to Jonah. That was such a great match and he deserved to pick up that win. Like now is the time for everyone to really be looking at Jonah and the talent that he actually has overall, you know? Um, So I hope that we get to see him um, get scouted and picked up. And um, yeah, I want to see more of him because of uh, that match between both of those two. Just what a top level match. Yeah, Monty, you talked about early, you know, people maybe getting upset in the the first couple of nights or whatever it is, but... This is a kind of statement sent, not just, you know, Jonah and Okada, but from New Japan to see what they see in Jonah, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it definitely means they definitely they want, I, I, you know, they want him to return. You don't beat, I don't know, not only do you not pin a guy like Okada, but you don't do it in the way he did it, in the most, in like in a, a memorable match, the way it turned out. Everybody in that arena broke regulations because as soon as he was <laughs> on the top rope to get ready to drop down the uh, 
the torpedo or tsunami. Uh, everyone just lost it collectively. I lost it too. <laughs> like so, I was right along, right along with them. Uh, because even though I thought it was a possibility he could win, I'm always one of those guys like, ah, bet on, bet on, bet on Okada. And then when you're proven, like, just I'd rather be disappointed that Okada <laughs> surprised me. I better be like surprised that Okada lost instead of disappointed that I went against Okada again for the billionth time and he proven proved me again uh, what how things are meant to be. But again, this is classic Japanese wrestling. The Japanese superhuman battering the big foreign monster menace, like you mentioned, with Vader and Inoki. So uh, the people were eating it up. And that's why another reason you mentioned why you why you didn't see this side of Jonah or, or same thing with Archer, this presentation. Japan protects and appreciates and really love their big guy. They will do anything to a big guy is always a threat in New Japan Pro Wrestling. If you have size and you can work you will be loved for years over mm-hmm. there. It's, just, it's in the history. Like you mentioned with Vader, Stan Hansen, and a lot of the greats who stepped foot in Japan uh, in the past to be in this role. So I think uh, New Japan, like you mentioned, can see Jonah fitting in perfectly as this next great foreign menace who could be someone standing opposite Okada for the next few years. Or even like someone like Giant Bernard, you know, back in the day. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like yeah, you said, the, the big... The big um you know uh, outsider so to speak uh we'll have a look at the, the table at this moment in time because jonah uh in a block has now joined kajika okada on top of six points jeff cobb Lars archer tom lawyer balak Farley and four points Torianu on two b block j white eight points four wins from four tamatonga sonata teach you chase owens on four points great okada mihirishi on two uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi Zaxaver Jr. on six points. Gotu Nato Evil four. Hanare Kento on two. That's C block and then D block. Uh, Finley on six. And then Shingo Will, uh, Yuri Takahashi, Yoshihashi, and Juice Robinson on four. El Phantasma on two. Um, what does this mean, Monty, at this moment in time? Because obviously Finley leading D block. Um, what would happen if it ended in uh, kind of the points were equal towards the end uh, and we ended on a tie? Yeah. How is it decided? At least from my understanding, the way Kevin Kelly and them were trying to explain it is that we would have, uh, I think, all all of them in uh, a, 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 like a I want to say it's going to sound like a battle royal, which is very rare, but. At the end of like everyone who's tied was going to have to figure this out. We're going to have to match up tiebreakers basically, and uh, some either way it go, they were going to have a defined winner. <laughs> the block, even if they worked the entire block to death, just trust me, it was going to be a congested mess that they would have figured out. <laughs> but this was never before seen though. Never had a block been even when they did the four block last time. Nowhere close to this type of. Uh, confusion <laughs> well i'll tell you something else that was quite shocking as well was the announcement about jay white status for the next two g1 events he was scheduled to wrestle but he's been affected by heat symptoms and removed uh as a caution uh also he's untaken covid antigen testing and has returned negative uh again i don't know if it was because he's missing actual like you know block action but if he couldn't make it, would he actually be forfeit? Or is this kind of part of the storyline? Because Japan have yeah. worked me before with this. 
Yeah, it was legit, I believe, because it, if you looked at the whole some of those arenas, they were sweltering. Like they looked hot. You could just look at the match and some of the times, just like how much how drenched and sweat some of the guys were. It wasn't just from the match. And a lot of their backstage comments, they talked about just how hot it has been throughout this entire tour. Japan is very, very humid. So you can just think about like that. It's just musky and just very, 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 like just a, a tough time if you're not necessarily, uh, if depending on how situations go. And it was ridiculously hot on some of those dates. So I believe it was legit. The thing is, uh, I don't think he had any block. Thing. If he would have had a block match, then yes, he would have had the forfeit and he would have it, it depends. Like, if he would have been out and all, his block was done on those dates, that specific date that he missed, then he was, yeah, he was going to have to forfeit those and they were going to have to find a way for it to make sense. Because uh, kind of like Naito did when he was out with his injury uh, early in the first in, in the first round or his first match of last year's G1. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this particular case, I believe, I think he was only missing tag belt, tag matches. So I think they kind of wanted to explain to the people, uh, you know, in attendance why on this particular tour you weren't going to get a chance to see uh, Jay White. So I think that's all it was. But other than that, uh, yeah, if he had block matches, it would have been trouble. But the, it, it ended up happening where he had a couple tag matches in a row instead. Well, that's not too bad then. If we move on night 14, August 9th, D-block, Yoshihashi lost to Yuyoro Takahashi. Uh, B block Sonata beat Chase Owens in the A block Donor versus Arch. I mean, the striking was off the chart. Seeing these two, uh, I mean, it wasn't pretty, but boy, it was fun. Jonah uh, had it won, but Archer didn't give it up. I mean, again, Jaxie, am I being harsh? But Jonah fucked it again for himself here. You know, another match won, but it decides to fuck around and gets caught by Archer. You know, it just pisses me. Yeah. Yeah, it, it kind of it, it's one of those uh, situations where it's like you know you take one step forward but yet two steps back. You know, yeah. it kind of felt it. It felt like it undermined the fact that you know less than I think it's like less than twenty four hours ago. I can't remember how long between the other uh, G one, but when he beat Okada and then this, so it was kind of like a. A disappointing one, I'd, I'd say. Like, the, not the match itself, but just overall the outcome, you know? Yeah, I think about that, because I'm still like, Jonah, like, you know, yeah, Yano, you dropped the ball there, but come on, carry on the momentum, and again, it's mm-hmm. like, God mm-hmm. damn, motherfucker, turn into juice <laughs> again, you know, like I said. Uh, <laughs> which which is a I think they wanted to protect both of them, and uh, too, also. I think that's why we ended up with that thing. You know, yeah, protecting want... AEW, Monty. Archer, and then not getting Jonah pinned. They don't I want, want Jonah, Jonah to, to win. Pin, but they definitely didn't want Jonah to win. <laughs> well, you know, Gato's not concerned with what you want. Well, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> Gato, they should. Gato don't care what you want. <laughs> they should. It should, be, it should be new James pro wrestling. And should be everything I want. Right? You can book Jonah all you want in James pro wrestling. Oh, my God. He'd, he'd be the champ. Uh, Kenta's bad luck continued losing Tetsuya Naito. Uh, so the table just a block. Uh, Akada, Archer, and Jonah are linked on top with six points each. On B block, uh, JY is clearing the lead on A. In C block, Naito, Zack Sabre Jr., and Tanahashi are joined on six points. Uh, and in D block, Finley and Takahashi on six. 
uh, <laughs> Osprey, Hashi, Shingo and Juice all on four. And like we said, we hope it doesn't finish like that. So night 15, August 10th, D-Block, David Finley, who was on a roll, lost to El Fantasmo. Uh, both now have three wins each now. B-Block, uh, Tamatonga has gone under the radar for me in this one. Um, but I will say, Jackson, you did mention him. He's been on fire, and he beat uh, our hero, and of course yours, the great Okan. But Tamatonga really showing out at the moment in time. Yeah, I I really felt like he he was starting to shine. And again, um, I mentioned it sort of uh, previously when we were first discussing the G1 aspect and how much I was enjoying the commentary sort of giving us brief history and uh, background on what had been currently going on with those wrestlers. So for someone like Tamatonga, um, finding out about sort of like Jay White and, and such all turning their back on him, it, it, it was kind of watching an underdog story with uh, Tamatonga. And each match he was in, um, he just continues to get better and better. He's got an awesome uh, entrance music that I really enjoy listening to every single time. And he's, he's just got, he's got that look, you know, of a star. Um, So every time I do see him, he kind of looks like the red power ranger. So it's great. Um, I, I've really been enjoying uh, watching Tamatonga. Yeah. Really, really good. And the G1 and C block action. It took Zack Sabre Jr. 44 seconds to be evil. It proves he can do either. To be fair, you know, when you sit down, it's like... What a mi- joke, evil. <laughs> what a joke. Zach Sabre Jr. Is that, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm going to get myself sorted out, get some snacks, because it's going to be like a 25-minute match. Sit down, and it's over already from the flash pin. And I'm going, for fuck's sake. <laughs> you have to go back with Ryan. You got a young lion walk out there, by the way, for his entrance. <laughs> Poor Owe gets destroyed because he's the... I guess <laughs> setting him up for Zach to come out there. That no, was great, though. It was great fun because he's evil. Anytime anyone embarrasses evil, I'm happy. Good job, <laughs> Zach. And in A block action, uh, Jaxie's Akada didn't make the same mistake with Tom Law that like he did with Jonah and out wrestled the former filthy UFC man. Uh, Tom has shown him strong. He's ready made for Japan. And mm-hmm. I, I might have one up on you here because I've seen a bit more. Uh, filthy Tom than you have because obviously I watch strong. <laughs> yes, yes, it's true. I don't, I don't get a chance to see much strong. I, I honestly, I came away so impressed with him after watching him over here uh, again, again, like you mentioned, against people that I'm more familiar with. So it was kind of good to finally get a chance to see. I've already, I've already watched him work, and I knew much about, his, I knew about his UFC and MMA background, so I know he's legit. But actually getting a chance to watch him up close with other favorites, it was great to finally get a chance to see what the hoopla is all about. Uh, in the ring, he reminds me of Matt Riddle, but he's definitely completely different. Like, they similar because of the striking and the MMA, of course. But, uh, like, with his submissions and his technical expertise, I really, really like Lawler. And I hope uh, that he continues to come over to Japan. I think this I think this tour is going to be a good good for him. I think he'll be back. I think people I think people in Japan really started to like him as the tournament continued on. Yeah, without that. Then C block, Hiroku got to beat uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi to go level on points for him. So just quick look at the table. A block Akada in the lead with Ape, uh, Archer and Jonah on six points there. 
B block. Tamatonga now joined Jay White with eight points each as well. C block, that Sabre Junior, Lever eight to Tanahashi six. Um, uh, <laughs> D block, you got Finley Takashi on six with the rest on four. <laughs> so night 16, August 13th. Uh, C block, Aaron Hanare lost to Kenta via submission. A block, Jeff Cobb beat Toru Yanu. Uh, D-block Shingo defeated Juru Takahashi to go level of points with him. D-block Yoshihashi lost to our boy Will Ospreay. Um, B-block Jay White battled Heatstroke. That's not the name of his opponent. And kept his perfect score and unbeaten record alive by beating uh, Taichi. And then night 17, we got D-block Yoshihashi beat David Finley to send D-block to a five-man tie now has that ever happened before monty a five-man tie in the g1 i don't not specifically five i mean maybe at moments in a time like like moments it's been like five people with the same point total but this close in like making possibly seeming like it could possibly end up being a complete tie for the entire block this i think this is close definitely as close as i've seen it get since i've been watching but if it has been it was years ago because uh, this is the closest it's been in a while, and I just must, I just have to say this. Yujiro, I know you're Bullet Club. I love Yujiro. He's Tokyo pimp. I hope all you guys got a chance to meet Peter a couple times. Uh, wonderful Peter uh, in the in the, uh, from Yujiro's uh, manager is who I'm talking about. But anyway, uh, Yujiro being at the top of any block was just hilarious to me. But I, I must say that the D block was just uh, a complete mess. But this is the like the furthest I've ever seen them go when it comes to having this many like possibilities still on the table in a no, block in it one was, block. It was crazy. I was panicking. <laughs> I was panicking at this point. Uh, B block. Uh, our hero Great Khan beats Aichi. Uh, I suppose saying in the G one. I suppose there's always next year. A block. Tom Lloyd got his biggest win in his last match against Jeff Cobb, uh, which was a bit of a surprise. C block Hiroshi Tanahashi lost to Kenta. Uh, great match, but Tanahashi is out of the G1. So, Gina, as we get towards the end, there was a couple of big shocks here. And like I said, the man that main event of Forbidden Door is out of the G1. Yeah, for sure, shocking. But to be honest, with the way that the G1 started to kind of close up, I wasn't surprised by the final two for it that being announced because in my eyes I couldn't see anybody else being in the final two apart from Osprey and Okada so I wasn't too too shocked or disappointed in a way because like I said Will Osprey was one that I was really um gravitating towards in the in the G1 anyway yeah I think what we were our picks at the start to where we are now I think it's kind of I mean, would it be fair to say, Gina, that it's kind of gone the way you might have thought, like you said, with who would be in these positions at this point in time? Yeah, for sure. Um, again, I, at one point, I did think maybe Naito would be up there in the final, just because, again, I saw him as a bit of an underdog. I didn't really see him as a formidable candidate when the G1 first started. And watching his growth and when I say his growth I know that others might not see it that way but for me as a new new fan 
um, watching it for his growth throughout that G1 tournament, I kind of was like, oh, maybe he might get into that final, you know? So, but to be honest, I think the rest of it went the way I assumed it would. Yeah, well, incredibly, we've only got three nights left now. We're going to start night 18, which is August 16th. I love the intros. We talked about it earlier, but it does make me feel like I'm watching something different. And it's a catchy song. I don't know who sang it. Monty, forget me the copy of that and send it over. <laughs> I'll have that as my Christmas present. I do not, <laughs> not like that at all. But it means that we have made it to the final night of the block um, with a G1 Climax 32. And the only thing left to do, guys, is punch our tickets to the semi-finals. But before we do that, we're in a legendary uh, Budokan Hall. And even I've heard of that. Uh, Budokan, I should say. I pronounced it wrong. Even though I know how to pronounce it, Monty, I still pronounce it wrong reading it. You'd be, believe that. Budokan Hall. <laughs> and the amount of matches I've, I've seen happen there as well. Damn you. Uh, so here's a refresher, though, on everything that can happen here tonight. So A block is going to be the winner of Kachikia Akada versus Larch Archer. So whoever wins that wins A block. B block, the winner of Switchblade J White versus Tamatonga will win B block. C block, mm-hmm. if Gotu defeats Evil, then Gotu wins C block. If Evil defeats Gotu, then right. the winner of Zack Sabre Jr. versus Naito will win C block. I think <laughs> that's right, Monty, but you're going to help me out with this one. D block, if Shingo defeats ELP, he wins D block. If Phantasmo mm-hmm. defeats Shingo and Will Ospreay defeats Juice, then Ospreay wins D block. But if both Phantasmo and Robinson win, then D block ends in mm-hmm. a seven way In the tie. tie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A miss. Like I <laughs> what a block. I would have kind of been intrigued to actually think, uh, to see see what what that would have happened, you know. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. All this, you know, and looking at it, and it's just near enough the entire block. <laughs> Anybody can win. <laughs> Which again, it proves how much fun it is. So we're going to find out now. So D block, we start with Willow Spray. Versus Juice. Uh, Will jumped him to start. We'll, we'll see a lot of this tonight. Uh, Pile driving on the floor and a pulp friction in the ring. Couldn't keep Osprey <laughs> down. Robinson went for the rock slide, but Osprey landed on his feet. Hit to win the match and get his physical belt back for the US title and eliminate everyone in D block outside of Shingo. Shingo. Uh, Operation Chaos, which was a nickname for the much discussed seven way tie. Is unfortunately now uh, a no go. <laughs> um, Jackson, what do you think? Uh, sorry, Gina, what do you think here? Because Will Ospreay shown his anger on Juice for the US title debacle. He's showing different sides, isn't he? Definitely showing different sides, but I kind of liked it because he seems like that kind of unpredictable wrestler where you're going to get a different side to him once you've kind of pissed him off to a point or you know dug really deep under his skin that you've just wound him up and you're just going to get a different type of attitude from him so it was really fun to see and be you know um witness to and watch that grow especially because juice has been asking for it he's been an absolute prick throughout the whole thing (laughs) (laughs) he really has and so it was kind of like i need to see will unleash his anger on juice really (laughs) 
Because <laughs> I also want to slap him in the face, but I don't have that luxury. <laughs> well, I'll tell you something as well. That kick from What Will. a loser Juicy is, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I definitely agree. <laughs> it's just two quick wrestlers and the crowd was pleased Will won. Like I said, the crowd can't make a lot of noise, but you can hear them and they go, ah, like, you know, like the excitement of uh, having Will win. So up next was Shingo versus the LP. Monty, your man here, the former champ, last year was the champion. IWGP. Was the IWGP yeah. champ. And now, if he wins against ELP, he will take it as leader of the block. Uh, ELP wrestled this match clean as a sheet. I was shocked. And ended up beating Shingo with a CR3, a pile drive out the CR2 position. And now, with a clean fall... Um, over a, a guy who has main evented Wrestle Kingdom. Looks like he's going to have a full heavyweight run, which we have discussed. Uh, and another thing, Monty, I'm throwing a lot of things at you here, man. Shingo losing. But they told me Shingo used to be a junior heavy. Like, what the fucking hell? Look, show me some of that action. Yes. You know? <laughs> like, wow. Yes. <laughs> Best of the Super Junior Final. Will him and Will Ospreay. That's a classic match I'm talking about. That might have been better than what they did in this G1. Like, I'm, yes, they were juniors. Shingo has always been a. He's always. By the way, while he was a junior, a lot of the juniors did not believe he was a junior. <laughs> no, he's just not. <laughs> but really, what happened is he gained like he gained like five pounds, and he was in the heavyweight division. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't think, like anyway. He's a like you said, just uh, you know, sturdy, husky, just a like very very solid built guy. So when he was in the ring with a lot of the people who can fly and mix in their styles with Shingo perfectly, like ELP. Which by the way, ELP be doing this. It was a shock because again, I'm used to Shingo pulling these victories out, but I'm not surprised at all. I've been high on ELP since day one when I watched him. And by, at the time, him and Osprey hated each other. They probably still do. But <laughs> I've watched him and Osprey tear it up on many different occasions when they were both in the junior division a few years back. And uh, I've always been impressed with ELP before he even got a chance to show people show people an impact what he could do. So seeing him here and watching him mesh styles and be able to to uh, survive the physicality because that's what they talk about with junior heavyweights in the heavyweight division. Can Hiromu, can a lot of these smaller guys, Will Ospreay got, uh, uh, put a lot of muscle on so he could be able to prove people that he could do it at a top level. Can they, because it's not so much about can they actually work with the big guys, but can they take all of that punishment? Can they really show fighting spirit and keep going like a Shingo or like a lot of the heavyweights do? And I think ELP showed in this match that he does have that extra gear that he can go into, but I will warn him now. And I do think he should be respected no matter the weight class, kind of like a Romo is at this point. Just be respected no matter who he's fighting. But ELP, can please slow down saying you're Shingo's daddy. I'm trying to tell you guys now. I understand he's, he's, he's hype. It was a big victory. But Shingo will not take that lightly. It won't end well for him long term. But to the victor goes the bragging rights, man. This was great. Well, like I said, I, I dig the jacket for LP and the whole look. Bullet Club helped the United Empire here. You know, we talk about Shingo first, living banger after banger. But it shows at this point in time, uh, you know, ELP couldn't win the group after w- Will's victory, if I'm right. And still went out there and showed that the match mattered rather than kind of, you know, right. losing anything like that. And I think had it in his hands 
and the fallout from this is how he responds now because we've talked about it, you know last year as champion and now having the, the the you know having it in his hand the victory to go through and you might look at that and as we've talked about Tanahashi yeah. Ishii other wrestlers that might be part of the storyline of can he now recapture what he has you know and what it means is that Will Ospreay uh, wins D-Box. So the final stand is Will Ospreay on eight points. The block winner, ELP, Takahashi, Shingo, Yoshihashi and Finley on six points. And Juice Robinson, like we said, is the loser of this group on four <laughs> points. Um, on to C-Block, Evil vs. Iroku Gotu. Evil wins, eliminating Gotu and making Naito Sabre winner, the, the take all for C blocks for me. These are two guys I'm getting accustomed with, and what I will say: if you're watching Japanese wrestling for the first time, this is not the match to start. You know? It's just, it's just not. It's not this version of evil. No, not this version of evil. Please don't start on this version of evil. I promise you, I only so hard on evil because he used to be the definition of fighting spirit. He was badass, but. I don't. He don't even try anymore. <laughs> with Dick Togo there and just the constant interruptions, yeah, it's not necessarily a good start. Goto's all about his samurai fighting spirit, but it don't matter when you fight three people for the most part when you're going against evil. So I understand that. You're, that's a great point. Do not start with evil. <laughs> don't, don't don't do that. Don't do it to yourself. Uh, next, we had Zack Sabre Jr. Versus Naito. And I'll be talking about this is for everything. Sabre eliminated Naito from the 2018 G1 Climax. And took him out of the 2021 G1. After one mm-hmm. match. Uh, Sabre beat Naito in the New Japan Cup Final. Oh, in March. In time. But not this time. Naito pins Zack with a Povo della Estrella. Flash <laughs> pin. Twin C block. And get his payback. Jack C. Zack's tantrum lasted longer than the match. Was this a surprise? <laughs> I mean, I, I say yes, it was a surprise for me, only because I'm not very used or accustomed to how uh, Zach Sabre Jr. is. Uh, but this definitely was like just a real sore loser moment, you know, and he threw all of his like, toys out the pram. It was quite entertaining to watch. I'll tell you what's funny is, again, mm. them nearly breaking character at the end with Zach held yeah. the chair. And Naito was throwing the ice pack and actually doing baseball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I thought he was going to do it, to be honest. I genuinely thought Naito he was going like, to hit it. <laughs> yeah. It would have been funny to have seen that. <laughs> it's great. And the other thing, and it just shows you how good the G1 is, and this is why Monty was maybe a little bit more confident earlier, is Naito lost his first two G1 matches, you know, to come back and find himself as block winner shows you how much can change. Uh, he ends on block winner. Well, this is the thing. He's same points, eight points. But I guess it's a win loss record, Monty. That would make more sense as well. Yes. Yeah, four and two. Look at it that way. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, exactly. Uh, he won four straight. The great rivalry continues. They have such a great like. I think it's friendly, but it's not friendly at all because Zach takes pleasure in injuring my boy Naito. Uh, unfortunately, but uh, Naito is just very good at poking the bear. He's the pettiest wrestler alive. I love it completely. And this is what this was, man. Uh, getting a measure of payback against a guy who made him forfeit the whole tournament last year, man. Like you mentioned. So, 
Uh, it may not have been like a match or a classic match, uh, but, you know, after warning us, by the way, Zach, after he lost to, uh, to Tanahashi with his arm under the rope, he was gracious in defeat. He was respectful to Tanahashi and everything. But then he found out the next night that his arm was under the rope. He said he'll never be gracious again. <laughs> he'll never be gracious in defeat again. So this is what you get when he loses tonight, though. It's shocking fashion. You get the greatest temper tantrum ever, which is a Zack Sabre Jr. staple. He's a renowned sore loser. All right. Uh, you love to see it as well. So, yeah, uh, Naito on eight. Uh, winning the group, Kenta, Tanahashi, Evil got two and six, Hanare on two points, and semi-final set, and for the first time ever, Will Ospreay versus Tetsuya Naito. Now, Monty, before we get to that match, how excited were you when you found out it was going to be these two guys in the semi-final? I was very excited, mostly because I knew it would be the first time. I, w- I wasn't at first. I was like, "Really? Have they ne- have they never really did?" But I was like, "Oh, that makes sense. They probably never fought one on one, so it makes sense." You know, he had a great rivalry with Shingo. He he broke my boy Sonata orbital bone. My wife is still mad about that, Osprey. And uh, he he's beaten Bushi numerous times. And when he was a junior heavyweight, he's fought Hiromu. He's went down the entire list of Lij. So it's about time he makes it to the uh, to the boss to the top guy in the group, and uh, I was very, very excited because, again, I know what Osprey is all about, but I also know what Naito can do, specifically with people in that top tier of New Japan like Osprey is. So I was ready, especially in a block final because I knew they were going to get all the time they needed. So I was de- I was, I, I was hyped, man. Very excited. Right. Well, B block then, we had Ishii versus Sonada, but this wasn't to win the block or to eliminate Sonada. It wasn't about hatred or getting back at someone. It was strictly pride. It's always been about pride with Ishii. I guess it could be a perfect way for the Stone Pitbull to maybe go out. Uh, this was a good match, getting the victory. Uh, but rumour is Ishii, this might be his last G1, but it could be up to him, you know. The only man to beat Jay White these past 12 months. Uh, but it, that might be it for Ishii. Monty, personally, would you want to see him again next year in the G1 or give a chance to maybe some other talent? Honestly, the way the way Ishii goes, because he's just so non-stop and I don't really think he's lost a step in the ring, I would love to see Ishii back. He's always, I'm always looking forward to his, uh, to, to his matches every year because I know it's going to be some of the most physical and it's the definition of fighting spirit. He pulled the best out of everyone he fights. And uh, he makes he makes sure it's going to be a war. It doesn't matter where he's at in the world. He's going to bring out the fighting spirit in whoever he's fighting. And I think that's always going to be valued highly for me when it comes to Ishii. But honestly, he's been doing this a long time. I understand if he's slowing down. It's, it is guys on strong. It is other guys uh, across the roster, across the world, who probably could take advantage of this spot. Uh, if Ishii was to be done. But in all honesty, for me personally, I do not want this to end. I Again, I view him and Goto. They're very similar. Goto's won G1s in the past. He's uh, he's won the, everything except the, the World Heavyweight Championship. So I've been rooting for guys like him and Goto to ever to, – they probably won't ever go over that threshold, but I'm always rooting for them to succeed. So, again, it would hurt me to not see Ishii because I got so used to so accustomed to those Stone Pitbull matches. But and honestly, if this is what he needs, and I can understand taking uh, time off or being done with this because of how much he has been through over the years. But, uh, yeah, man, I, I honestly wouldn't mind if Ishii came back. Well, uh, well, 
Like I said, it was a good match, and he's the only man to beat Jay White in the past 12 months. Speaking of the champ, well, Jay White faced Tama Tonga, and Tama needing the victory to win the block. The finishing stretch here was good, with White fighting off the gun stun as much as he could for Tama hit the bloody Sunday with Jay the Holy Gado back. A gun stun followed and scored the win and the block for Tama Tonga. And let's not forget, Tonga was kicked out of the Bullet Club by Jay White. He gets his revenge and pins the world champion. Jaxie, your man here now, a block winner. He beats the champion as well in a match that actually meant something. But again, yeah, I mean, you know, the champion's well, in trouble, but not lost the title. It's perfect. Yeah, I mean, look, look what I said uh, before, you know, about this whole sort of underdog type storyline um, with Tama. And it just kind of proved that it, it can work even in this uh, situation, even when, um, you know, it's a G1 tournament. So it's not remotely just a, something that's surrounding this storyline but look at how well it's really played out you know having this sort of underdog who was kicked out of his group you know you probably thought you know he was going to be by himself but he he built himself up and now managed to uh, come out as the winner of his block it's it, it was incredibly exciting the match was exciting uh, the fact that he had won over Jay White was exciting because you actually could, could just think to yourself well could T- Tama um, if Thomas pinned him here, could he get a potential shot at that IWGP, you know, sort of after anything that goes down at Wrestle Kingdom? Um, so, you know, there's there's so much room to carry on whatever is going on between these two um, outside of G1. So there's an exciting aspect from there. But also just to know that uh, he was going to the semifinals for me, like I said at the beginning, um, I have both Okada and Tamatonga as like two favorites of mine. So uh, to see them both go to, through to the semi-finals was was really good. Actually, I enjoyed that. Right, uh, and incredibly, Jay White has never won a final night G One match. <laughs> to know that just shows us incredible yeah. statistic. Um, but yeah, Tamatonga finishes uh, as block winner with Jay White, both on ten. But obviously, with Tonga uh, getting that, and it's incredible to think in that group those two guys win every match bar one. Sonata on six, Greater Can, Taichi, Chase Owens, and Ishii on four. And then A block, Jonah versus Bad Luck, Farley. Well, Jonah wins it with the Tsunami Splash, or Torpedo, as they're calling it now. Um, Jonah hasn't been pinned in New Japan. If only Yano hadn't fucked him. I mean, Jonah was a monster, but for me, Farley just looked like he had too many burgers. Gina, I've been out of order there, but, you know, Farley's a monster. I don't know. Jonah, yes, I understand. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Farley is huge, though. Like, I think even he had a match with Lance, didn't he? Mm. Um, and they just looked like beasts compared to each other. And especially because a lot of the other New Japan wrestlers don't, are quite sure. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of hard to miss those guys, you know? But... Um, I don't know. I wasn't. He was kind of in my background, but he did kind of like shine in his own light for me, Fale. Um So I did end up like sort of enjoying every match he had. Yeah, I wasn't that impressed with him. Like I said, like Archer and Jonah for me, they're kind of like real monsters, and Farley's just like, yeah, all right. But talk about Jonah, he left his mark <laughs> on this year's. He just literally said that with your nose turned up. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, you know, that's what I thought. But Jonah made his mark. With wins over Jeff Cobb 
Anacada. I mean, he's level Anacada, but he's lost to Arch. He can't win, but he doesn't know that. And Kevin Kelly nearly has a heart attack on commentary because he doesn't want to tell him that it wouldn't happen. Or maybe it would. Maybe they'll change it just for him. So it comes down to this. It's Akada versus Archer. Um, and, of course, if Akada gets the win, he wins. Uh, Archer is 6-0 and versus Akada. So I'm not sure which way it's going to go. Um, but we get a blackout on Archer. But Akada caught him in a crucifix pin for near fall. The money clip couldn't put Archer away. But a combination of a landslide and a rainmaker would. Akada wins the monster block. And looks to go back to back in the G1. Uh, Jackson, what do you think of Akada versus Archer? Because again, talk about Archer being treated differently, uh, and Akada is the mm. biggest guy in Japan as well. This was, you know, a match to showcase both. Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> I think you could tell how serious Lance was taking this, uh, even all throughout his entrance. You know, it wasn't as sort of scattered, so to speak. When he came out, he stood in the middle of that ring and he was just focused, you know, waiting on um, Okada to come out from the very beginning. This this match, for me, even though I know I was team Okada, going into it, I was a little bit worried because, you know, Lance Archer is being uh, featured in a different way as to what he's been featured, like, on AEW. So there was a real chance that Okada was going to lose to him, you know? Um Lance Archer pretty much throughout the first half of this match was like sort of dominating over Akada um, and really wearing him down. So it was a really good show of skill. Both men are really tall. So um, there were just some like pretty powerful moves that both men did uh, that just came across so well. Um, I I enjoyed watching this match. I thought it was a, a great match between both of them. But overall, I'm really glad with the outcome obviously being Okada as the winner. Right, and the semi-final, your two picks as well, Okada versus Tonga. Uh, I didn't expect that, but I definitely was very happy to see uh, that it was those two against each other because I kind of uh, didn't didn't know how it was going to go down, especially with, again, the whole underdog story with Tama Tonga. It's like, can he actually do... Uh, do the inevitable and beat JY and Okada? Like, there was that big question there. Right, uh, well, the final stand in for A block. Okada on 10 points, Jonah on 8, which is fantastic for his first G1. Archer, Tom, and Cobb on 6. Toriyano on 2. Against Jonah, he got those points. And bad luck, Farley. I'm over it, I'm over it. Uh, so, like we said, your G1 32 semi finals are uh, Okada versus Tonga. And Aito versus Osprey. Tamatonga beat in last year's G1, which is Akada's lone loss in that tournament. And we talked about Naito versus Osprey, first time ever. So let's get to it. Night 19, August 17th, semi final time, catching Kiga. Akada versus Tamatonga. We see Tama unleash a flurry of offense, but gets stopped by Akada. Akada locks in money clip, but Tama fights the ropes. Akada continues for the money clip, but Tama keeps coming back with guns and attempts. Tama hits some bats, but can't follow up. Akada continues to break up Tama's offense with big kicks and lariats. Akada finally comes back with a landslide and a rainmaker to put Tamatonga down in 19 minutes. Um, Gina, what did you think of this match? Because I, I thought it was really good. And a question actually for everybody. Actually, Gina, sorry. I'll ask you first. Is Akada's jacket red or white? 
Because I swear to God, as he's coming out, it's white. And then when we get close, it's red. I mean, it, oh it's God. red initially because I have worked with materials and I'm, I am a seamstress. It's the play of the material that they've got. It plays mm-hmm. with the lights. So the lights make it look white. But then the closer white, yeah. it gets, and once the lights turn off, you see its original Jeez. color, which is like the red peachy color. Um, right. But yeah, so that's what that is. Genius. But I, think I think it's really clever as well because of when... I think it's really clever as well because when the light hits it and it looks white, you actually see the words Rainmaker on the back of his coat. But then, like when right. uh, when the lights aren't on it and it's pink, it's hardly you're hardly able to make it out because of the red lettering mixing well with the pink. So it's a play on and use of the lights. Um, it's really cleverly done, actually. I think is is a wonderful jacket. Mm. Kevin Kelly didn't know what a GCSE was as well, which is quite funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I chuckled to that as well. (laughs) Sorry, I just couldn't help it. But the story for me was could Tama hang with the very best in Japan? It felt kind of like a football game with a smaller team who wouldn't win, but shows they can compete. Would that be fair, Gina, in this one? Because was Akana really in trouble? Um... Not really, because I kind of was like, no, he's he's got this in the win, but... There were some some spots that it's like, oh wait, did I did I make too too much of a presumption about him? So um, yeah, I, do, I wouldn't necessarily say like that much, but I did I did kind of have it in in the back of my mind that he had this. So. Well, he did, and he's through to the final, and he'll face the winner of the second final, which sets you in Aito versus Will Osprey first time. Ever we see Naito send Osprey into the corner and hit an avalanche poison runner for a near fall, which is a lot more exciting than how I made it sound. But Osprey counters Destino with a tombstone slam, hits hidden blade, and Naito counters Stormbreaker with Destino. Osprey comes back and hits a huge hook kick. Love that move. Naito counters Ozcutter. Osprey hits an elbow to the head. Naito ducks hidden blade and hits Destino for a near fall. Osprey counters low and hits hidden blade. And then the Stormbreaker for the pinfall in 21 minutes. For the first time ever, they gelled straight away. Monty, what do you think of this match? Man, this is insane. It, you know, it flew by also, by the way. It was like, at one point, they were just going. I was like, listen, 15 minutes is bad. I was like, really? It's been 15 minutes? So, I was like, I was really into it, man. They styles just go so well together. Daito is one of the old. He's definitely my love, Destino. That's why it's my favorite finish. It can be countered. He can literally counter almost anything into the Destino, it seems like. Like, that's just how well he set it up. And Osprey just played off that perfectly. Uh, uh, Osprey has a bad neck, so Naito went after that neck relentlessly, which is really played into his hands because that's how a lot of Naito's moves is all about working your neck and dropping you on your head so he can set you up for the Destino. And, uh, you know, Osprey just being his relentless self, the pacing was great. The building erupted when he reversed that Stormbringer into the Destino. And you could just tell that, okay, we're ready for it. And just as they continued on and they got into that final sequence with the Hidden Blade to the Stormbringer, which which is an undeniable combination that, night, that uh, Osprey rarely, when he, when he hits the uh, Hidden Blade and he goes into the Stormbringer, it's pretty much always done. And uh, so... Again, just show you how well they protect their moves and uh, and use because he beat a lot of people just straight up with the hidden blade. But anyway, uh, awesome stuff again from both guys. I will never say 
Osprey didn't deserve this victory because he is a machine. He's still so young. And after a match like that, it's really hard for me to complain. But I have to say this lastly. I'm not sure what Tetsuya Naito did to Gato, who caused the shots. Uh, uh, I don't I don't know what he did to him personally. But between having his Wrestle Kingdom 8 main event taken away from him, between his Wrestle Kingdom moment when he came up short against Okada in Wrestle Kingdom 12, and uh, Wrestle Kingdom 14 when he finally won the big one, and then Kenta comes out right after that, ruins his roll call so he can't call out his entire faction in the big on the biggest stage of them all. Then you get the pandemic after that. Then you have what evil did to him, taking his titles and just being trash. And then you got the injury last year with uh with Zach, and then you get this loss right here. I, I hate to say this, but I said it on my show. I said here, my favorite's time on top may be over, and I think that's what hurt me more so when he lost this match. <laughs> I'm, more so than anything. I'm glad you're not letting it get to you. <laughs> you know? No, it got to me. You want to talk about Yano? Yano surprises everybody. Uh, Naito never being able to win the big one is an agonizing story. Uh, That's another reason why he's my guy. But it's okay. I leave it alone. Great match. I love I love this. And Osprey, after a match like that, I can never hate on what Osprey brings to the table. Well, uh, Dad, like I said, we know we're going to get a Carter versus Osprey. So let's get to it. Night 20th. Uh, the last night, August 18th, it's finally the final. Just a little bit of extra. Before the main event, we had Tamatonga and Kishida defeating the Bullet Club, JY and Taji Shimori. It sets the stage. We talked about this on the G1 as well. But even this match sets the stage for two big matches. The heels are great and both champs and both ripped as fuck. Like I said, Ishimori is just like a smaller Jay White. He's fucking mental. <laughs> They're perfect, you know. But Kushida did pin the champion. So, Monty, please tell me we're going to get Jay White versus Tamatonga for the IWGP title. And, of course, uh, Taji Ishimori Kushida at some point. I'm just going to go. That's usually what happens. Usually when a champion is pinned or definitively beaten by someone who was viewed as a contender, like Tamatonga, especially specifically in the G1, usually when the champion loses a match like that, that, they will have to defend that belt against the guy that beat them. So, yes, I think we would definitely see Tama and Jay sooner than later. And I think the same goes for Taji Ishimori and Kushida. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I think that's pretty much guaranteed. Kind of like I, the way I feel like maybe Dave or even or either Shingo will definitely be battling for Osprey's belt at some point. So it's, it's that's usually how it works. When a champion loses – Special specifically in a straight up contest, but it can be in a tag match also. When a champion gets pinned, a lot of times they're showing you that the guy who pinned him is usually next in line. Yeah, well, what do we talk about next in line? And the G1 is all for that moment at Wrestle Kingdom when you can face the IWGP heavyweight champion. We know the champion is Jay White, but who will be the winner of the G1? We're going to find out right now. Kajikia Akada. Versus Will Ospreay. In the previous seven matches, Akada's won six. It doesn't matter because the aerial assassin had a strategy. And that was to integrate the <laughs> offensive past Akada foils into this match. He used the Styles Clash, obviously from AJ Styles, Hiroshi mm-hmm. Tanahashi's High Fly Flow, and Omega's V Trigger, even attempting Kenny's One Wigged Angel to an audible gasp from a crowd that yeah. actually weren't allowed to. Even he, I got so loud at that, that audacity that he almost did that. I was like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy stuff. 
but again, Okada, this is big match Okada. Didn't hold anything back. The finish came after Osprey's flurry of other people's finisher. And a huge rainmaker from Okada failed to secure a win. A striking battle that started with both men exhausted on their knees led to an explosive exchange of counters until Okada finally countered a hidden blade with a Cobra Flosion and delivered one more thunderous rainmaker to claim victory. In addition, to put them in the back-to-back club, Okada now um, alone in second place on an all-time G1 victories list with four. Only Chono has more with five, and he's got a contract for the main event yeah. shot at 17. Um, Jaxi, first, we're going to get everybody's thoughts on the final because he worked so hard. Jaxi, what were your thoughts? Uh, Osprey versus Okada. This was an awesome match. Um, definitely a final, uh, definitely a top c- contender for like you know one of the best uh, matches of G One um, for being the final. I it could have gone either way if I'm truly honest. There were times that I d- honestly didn't think that Okada was going to kick it out. Um, so there there were just some high moments for both uh, both men. Um, of course, I'm very happy with the outcome being Okada winning it uh but i also i feel like i kind of presumed that he was gonna win and it comes from sort of like the the knowledge of knowing that uh will osprey and ozzy open were due to be uh you know fighting in aew um so i didn't know how long they would be going on in that tournament and i didn't know whether or not that would impact him being able to uh, attend other events for New Japan. So there was part of me that kind of thought that Okada was going to win due to that as well. Um, but either way, I thought the match was uh, great. And I, I look forward to seeing Jay, uh, not Jay, yeah, Jay White uh, and Okada uh, at Wrestle Kingdom. Well, uh, that like I said, Okada showed why he's the, in Japan. But Gina, what do you think of this final? Because Will Ospreay is a guy that maybe, you know, hasn't had the attention that he deserves. And I think he... We all know how good Okada is, but Will Ospreay is just... He could possibly be the best wrestler in the world right now. Uh, For sure. I mean, again, I had never heard of him until he showed up on AEW. I can't remember which AEW he first turned up on, but I had no idea who he was, and Jaxie had to explain who he was to me. Um, and even then I was like, oh, okay, but you didn't see him that often. He would just turn up here or then. And then watching him in this G1 just entirety, I think he just needs to be elevated so much more. Like people need to give him more credit for what, how he wrestles, his personality, everything. I think he's just a full package here and very underrated right now. So I hope that this G1 has helped to elevate that. I think we're at, uh, like I said, well, we're going to get everybody's thoughts on that. But, Monty, what were your thoughts? Because, like I said, we, we're here with your baby, basically, watching Okada versus <laughs> Osprey in the final. And, boy, did it deliver, you know? It's just, it was so funny to hear, you know, that. Like, to hear Osprey viewed as, uh, as an underdog. The only reason why I say that is because he's not only has he done this for a long time, but you can't tell him that. <laughs> He's been saying he's the best wrestler in the world for, for like, I don't know how long at this point, you know, and he's just always been a cocky little, you know what, but he's so good at his damn job. And Osprey was looking uh, for his first clean victory over Okada here ever. Like, he's beat him, but he's never beaten him clean. 
And they when they were in chaos together, Okada, you know, looked him looked at him like a little brother. You know, Okada seven years ago in twenty fifteen, Okada took a liking to him after having a match. And that's one of the biggest reasons why Osprey is even in New Japan, is because of how well him and Okada got on at first. And uh but you know, Osprey as time went on was becoming so big and he was becoming a star in his own right to where he did no longer want to be under his big brother in Okada. So as being a multi-divisional champion himself, he believes he's equal to Okada and always has been in his mind. So, again, this was once again the big brother showing his little brother that, yeah, you, you're great, but I'm, I'm the rainmaker. And uh, he did, like I said, the high-fly flow, the styles clash, the V-trigger, uh, the one-wing anger, an- angel. He should have tried the Destino. Somebody else would be Okada, but all right, all right, all right. I'm being, all right, I'm sorry, I'm being a stinger. But anyway, Okada. The problem about that approach was is that Okada has also grown from all of those moments that he has failed over the years, and he's he's become something unrecognizable, almost unbeatable in a straight up one on one match at this point. Uh, so uh, it's just no one who embodies what New Japan Pro Wrestling is all about more than Okada. You know, he used Anoki's Integuri along with Masawa's, like you mentioned, the Flosion, the Cobra Flosion that they're doing. That's that's another, like he's literally blending eras of New Japan excellence together into his final combination right into his Rainmaker. Uh, which, again, now and then, not when I thought about it, I was like, oh, it is the 50th year of New, of New Japan. Of course the guy, Okada, mm-hmm. is going to be the flag bearer and the winner of the biggest tournament of the of this year in the 50th year of New Japan. It just made so much sense when I thought about it. And I was like, you know what? Especially with a guy like Osprey, who could be the future of New Japan, if he continues to stick around, because he's been here a while now, and he's still, like, only, what, barely 30? So <laughs> Osprey has plenty of time to just continue. He can, he will probably be the one who, be, who joined his name next to Kenny Omega as the only foreigner to win the whole thing of the G1. I think Osprey will do that before it's all said and done, if he can just stick it out. But this is just incredible, man. I loved every second of it. Uh, it, This is what it's all about. This is what the G1 is all about. They usually save their last match. Their last gasp is usually the best. And that's exactly what this was. Fighting spirits at its finest. Well, I said 35 minutes of kind of pure action. But again, it's the thing of even a Carla, like, yes, he had to win this, but... The way they've set it up through and even having, you know, Jonah beat him, which, again, even if they don't face off until after maybe a card of beat Jay White, you've still got that storyline. You've got the Tamatonga storyline. Like I said, with Will Ospreay, it shows you how important it is to New Japan being put in these positions and just deliver, like I said, five-star match after five-star match. The guy had... We spoke about as well, popping up on Dynamite, having like 18 matches in, in 30 days and... And not just five <laughs> or ten minute matches, you know, like half hour. He lost the um, Red Pro Heavyweight cha- Championship as well to, I think, Ricky Knight mm-hmm. Jr., which is uh, Paige's uh, nephew, which makes me feel even older than I should. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, so right, right. Will was going around different, three different continents delivering what everybody knows. And like we said, with Ricardo coming up. It's great stuff. So we're going to go around now and ask, highlight of the tournament. So Gina, for you, what were the highlights of the tournament for you? Either one or two moments that kind of stood out that you really, really enjoyed. Um, I mean, I'm going to definitely say Juice Robinson grabbing that referee's hand. 
<laughs> um, but I think a highlight definitely is Tamatonga getting that win um, because for me, I was quite shocked, but I was also really excited for him to get that win. Um, so I, I definitely think that that's a highlight for me. Um, and yeah, just seeing Will Osprey and kind of like gaining a bit of a love for the United Empire as a faction, I think that's another highlight I'd say. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, Jackson, what about you? Um, I'm trying to think. I think overall, I'd say that a highlight was Tamatonga's journey through the G1. Um, it was really enjoyable to watch uh, from my point of view. Um, and I'd say, yeah, overall, having Okada come out as a winner, he obviously was a bit of a favourite of mine. So I'm a bit biased and just saying that that was another highlight of mine. Yeah, I mean, for me, like Zach Sabre Jr. and Kenta, seeing them square off was fantastic. Yeah, uh, Jonah, Jonah beating Okada is a moment outstanding. But, like, for me, Finley, Finley standing on his own, you know, showing that he yeah, can have Finley a singles round. Yeah, stand out quite well. And, a nice, and all that creating challenges for a title. You know, like you said, you, you come from here. And, and the thing is, like we talk about Okada, it's like Austin winning the Rumble. Yeah, it was going to happen, but it's how you go about your business. And now, like we talk about, the way they set it up as well is really, really good. Uh, Monty, what about you? Because I know you watch it every year, but what stood out this year? <laughs> the little things for me, man. Kenta's book tour, uh, the, the how many times the A block by themselves made the crowd break rules because <laughs> <laughs> they just, they never see big guys do things like that or haven't seen it in a while. Uh, it, it, I could go. I can go on forever. But yeah, the, the the highlight that sticks out the most, besides enjoying all of that, was of course Jonah's the, just the torpedo spot in general to Okada, and like again the audible gasp and just shock. Uh, it was like the it was the you know the splash heard around the world for a second there. So like so, it was a great moment. Right, uh, this might be a little bit easier for us to answer, but again. Match of the tournament. I'm going to cop out and just say the final. <laughs> so I don't, I don't mind anybody else doing that. Gina, what about you? What was the match of the tournament for you? Oh, that's really difficult to say. Like, there were so many good matches, and I probably can't even remember which matches I'd love to say here off the top of my head now. The, the final was just peak so I can't yeah. I can't lie in saying the build up on just having this eventually lead to Osprey versus Okada I definitely think it's one of the top matches for sure. Yeah I think about that G uh Jack sorry Jaxie what about you? Yep yeah, Will Osprey versus Okada is, was matching uh the match of the tournament for me. Yeah I've got to admit like I said I did love Zach Saber Jr. versus Kent and Monty what about you? Yeah, same, same here. No, it was nothing really better. The only thing I would say is that Naito and uh, Osprey right before that was incredible. But honestly, I like you mentioned, you can just go. I can keep going forever. I wrote a lot. Let's <laughs> <laughs> say this is kind of the same. Like, Harlow. who's your MVP of the tournament? Osprey, Osprey, man. I mean, uh, Tonga for me. Yeah, he had matches with ELP. Fit. Literally, out of the eight total matches, six of them were pretty, like, all close, like, really great. <laughs> out of eight total matches, Osprey killed six of them and knocked them out of the park. So, it's hard for me to go against Osprey. 
Jack, so you went to Amatonga, yeah? Yeah, definitely. Again, his story, his whole overall, like, underdog story was just incredible. And I felt he was MVP. Getting that win over Jay White was exactly what he needed to do. He needed to come back um, with Fighting Spirit. And so, like, it told a story in itself. So even though he didn't win the whole G1 tournament, he, he he's still a winner. I think we're at that. And Gina, who's your um, MVP? I mean, I this is going to be a bit controversial, I think, because I actually said that I hated him throughout the whole thing. No. But I think Juice Robinson gave <laughs> such a performance. Like, every time he was on... No matter whether, no, but you have to give him it. Every match he was on, he was entertaining. He really was. So from that perspective, I would say him. But I also think Naito, am I saying it right? Naito? Naito? Yeah. It's Naito, Naito. Naito. I've said it 12 different times on this one. Tetsuya Naito. (laughs) Tetsuya Naito. Naito, Naito. I honestly think that he had such a great growth, like I said, for me, because I definitely saw him as an underdog and maybe, you know, a little bit like a jobber of the G1. So I didn't expect him to go as far as he did. And for me, I think he, he outshined a lot. Yeah, I think for me, well on performance, like Monty said, uh, but Jonah was a standout, you know, so I think he'd be my MVP because they do, like I said, that guy could go... I said this early on in the year as well. Jonah could go to any company and legitimately be world champion in six months and no one would argue. He, he just needs a place to call home now, you know? Um, if that's on the Double Nub podcast as part of our team, then we'll see if we've got space for you, Jonah. But you never know, you know? Uh, so, overall... This is going to be a tough one. Overall rating for a G1. Now, Monty, I'm going to give this to you first because... This is our first one, so I don't know how we're going to score it yet. So I guess out of yeah. 10, how would you rank this G1 in all the other ones in the history ever? Oh, this is, uh, like I said, uh, I think I overall just agree that it probably should be safe to say nine. Here, for me, uh, it's strong. Uh, another, probably the best, definitely the best year since the pandemic had happened. They, this was just... On the energy around this G1 was completely different than uh, than the last few, for obvious reasons, of course. But uh, you know, yeah, this was top tier stuff. Like you said, you have all the hoopla around who's going to win certain blocks. You had the extra element of how they grouped off everyone. You had more people than ever here, and like you guys mentioned, uh, a lot of people got introduced to many different styles of wrestling and many different types, different different characters. At one time, that happens all the time, but it's definitely been years in the past where it was not paced like this. It was not uh, set up or even viewer friendly for uh, new new viewers. I think all the English commentary was pretty much on point in in years past. Sometimes you would have to wait a few days for Kevin Kelly's English commentary for him, and you would just have to watch like the live Japanese one that, that I have watched in the past and all that. And you know, hell, years before that, it was no such thing as comments with subtitles like it's so much more new user and mm. english speaking friendly now too i think and i think that made a uh, that makes an impact too on new 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 people like you guys who uh who are just trying to figure everything out so uh, I, I give it a nine it's one of the strongest as far as like pro force wrestling goes and then like i said with the with all the hoopla and the storytelling around how 
they they announced the winner and how everything came and just having Stardom Girls there at the, in the final. It just it felt different. This felt like a big deal for New Japan going forward. So I had to give it a nine. Yeah, and you talk about there as well accessibility. It's like I remember going on there a few years ago trying to select like a Wrestle Kingdom and the individual matches on there, and I was like, how many fucking Wrestle Kingdoms are there? Like, and it's kind of more now with the, <laughs> with the English content. You kind of, you know, you kind of follow that along. Uh, and like, talk about the commentary as well. We didn't get to mention it, but like Lance Archer, uh, Chase Owens, ZLP, along with Kevin Kelly, really, really entertaining stuff. And like you said, it is good to see there. Uh, Jaxie, what would you rank the G1 Climax? Was it worth all those hours spent watching? And what would you score it? Yeah, um, I I would say it was worth all those hours watching. I really enjoyed this whole tournament. Um, I will be checking it out next year, and I agree with a lot of uh, Monty's uh, uh, commentary about it. So I'm going to go ahead and rate it nine too. And finally, Gina, I know, like we said, maybe we're not as accustomed as uh, Monty is, but I think for me it was worthwhile. Was it worthwhile for you? And what would you score out of ten? Um, I'm going to go with the nine as well. For my first G1, I was very entertained. I did feel stressed about having to catch up, but that's just because of the um, me having a holiday in between it all and me having to catch up for this podcast. But I think, you know, in reality, even if I didn't have it, I'd still be looking to squeeze in the, this G1 tournament wh- whenever I had time to watch it. So I've, I've just thoroughly enjoyed it and it deserves a nine. Um, hopefully I'll give it a 10 next year. Yeah, I think without that, like I said, uh, nine for me as well. Really, really good stuff. Yes, it's, it's time to be finickety and pick things out. And, you know, it's too many events, the order of things, blah, 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 blah. But that's for next year. I, you know, I think this year we've just enjoyed it. And then we can pick it apart like we do with AEW and stuff like that uh, afters. But I think really, really good. Any Anything else, Monty? Is anything I've missed about the G1? I think we've covered pretty much everything. Uh- yeah, I think we got everything. The only thing I will say is that keep an eye out in the next few months or so because usually the G1 winner defends his his crown. They usually turn into a briefcase. So Okada could lose his spot in the final. It rarely goes like that, but it could happen. And he could lose to Jonah. Jay White could lose his belt. We could have Tama Tonga and Jonah in the main event. Who knows? I'm just saying this is my little promo to tell you guys, keep an eye out on New Japan going for it. Well, that's out. And I'll tell you something as well. If you want more details and more up-to-date reviews uh, of New Japan, like I said, Monty is the man to go and listen to. Uh, but we have found out the next big event at New Japan will be October 10th, which will be the NJPW Declaration of Power. And we will see Jay White defending his IWGP Heavyweight Championship against, of course, Tamatonga. It's also been announced that uh, Akada versus Jonah will take place there which there is, we go there we go it's a match i'm fucking watching i'm watching it it's as simple as that job done uh <laughs> and also another bit of news as well uh that we should mention is that of course new japan is coming to uh england and it's going to be in london and jackson we're hoping we can go for that because obviously you want to see a carder in person and get dragged off by security <laughs> Um, of of course, uh, yeah. Especially if it feels like fate because it's actually on the weekend of both um, Gina and I's birthday. So 
it kind of feels like we need to go. It's our personal birthday present, you know? I I also think that that's my ticket to Ricky Starks, because if Will Ospreay's going, we could try and say, hey, we're fellow Brits, come chat. I could let him know how much I love Ricky, and he could take that back to AEW for me. So it works out. The only issue is, and what I worry, what I worry about you two is that you'll be sitting there speaking to Will, and he's saying, "Yeah, guys, I don't want to do an American accent. He's British. Yeah, guys, I'll, <laughs> I'll take you to America and Japan, and if it's just you two, and then you see the the sweating man with the beard walking over in his WNR t-shirt. Oh, he's, he's with you, is he? Oh no, you're all right. You go for fuck's sake. So <laughs> that's not worried about." Don't worry, we'll just say that you're the help. It's like, it's like, no, hitch- you're, you're, the ma- you're our manager. You're our manager. You're hitchhiking, you hide in the bush. What do we do? <laughs> well, we could we lie and just sit, make up anything. He's our manager, and I'll. Yeah. Well, he's our booking manager. Oh, if you'd like our number, did... just get it off of him. We did say that he, that James is the Paul Heyman to our Usos, didn't we? Yeah. Uh... That's very good. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Oh, Damn, you balding, James? Yeah. <laughs> My name is Paul Hames. <laughs> See, I can do that. Um, <laughs> that's an excellent way to end it. All this niceness, like we said, we've done the G1. I think we'll leave it there as that. And don't forget, because all social media, Twitter at the Dublin Podcast, I'm at the Dublin JR, even. You can find the entire Dublin team on the Twitter banner. And you can listen to more New Japan stuff with Monty. Monty, where can they find and or listen to you? Um, you can go on any platform that you you listen to podcasts on, type in Mind of Monty, or you can go on YouTube, type in Mind of Monty, or you can just go, like you mentioned, the Twitter banner, or at Mind Monty Pod. Check out my latest episode. We talked about all of the, the mess that seemed to be going on in AEW behind the scenes for some reason. I don't understand it seems like uh, uh, just every time I turn around, it's something else. So I talked, dig, dug a little bit in the net. But if you want to go an episode back, you can listen to my every match. I did every single match that happened in G1. An hour and 38 minutes. I don't know how I got through it, but I did. <laughs> so there you go. Fucking hell. Even I, <laughs> there you I go. mean, I know you guys were worried when we like pulled up today, but I wasn't going to put you through it. Like, Every block match. It's an 18 hour man. show, guys. Like, From memory. <laughs> it's a mess. But please wow. go listen. <laughs> oh, wow. No, I'm going to listen to that just for what you did. Uh, no problems. Uh, Jaxie, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me across both Twitter and Inst- Instagram at Jaxie Scarlett. And Gina? Yeah, I'm on both as well as Purple Pain. And the Double Also on Facebook and Instagram. Across all Google platforms, send us an email at doublepodcast at gmail.com. YouTube, Double Podcast, with all the latest clips. Podcasts got the same time. YouTube is do SoundCloud on your phone. Also, Spotify and iTunes, where you download, subscribe. Rate and review there. And I'll tell you somewhere else you can find us, actually. Next week, you can find us in Cardiff for Clash at the Castle. Because, believe it or not, this time next week, we we would be at the stadium. It's probably Roman Reigns versus McIntyre as we talk, as we record right now in seven days' time. Um, So we will not be having a live pre-show. And look... I've had emails about doing it. I am not 
entire pre-show, like at four o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm not taking my laptop to Wales. You know, I'm not taking my microphone. So it's going to be as it is. Yeah, record... let, let us in, let, let us enjoy this live. You know, we're gonna we'll probably more than likely meet up before this and go grab dinner and a drink. I don't think we're going to want to be trying to like <laughs> meet up. We'll probably try and do some form of podcast just before this. So no. do bear with us, but let us enjoy it as well. Okay. <laughs> well, that's out. So like I said, we're going to meet this Wednesday. We'll do, we'll do some Twitter updates and Twitter posts. Yeah, we'll so take if you're watching and... it live. Yeah. Then, that... you know, follow along with us on Twitter. We'll try this, yeah. Together. Exactly. Perfect. You know, so what we're going to do instead is that we're all going to get together on Wednesday and we're going to talk about Raw and SmackDown because Raw and SmackDown actually have been quite good <laughs> this past month. Surprisingly slow. As Monty says, AEW AEW's just, just lost its shit. It's like WWE for the first <laughs> time in like three years. I don't know why. A bit of positive, and AW just have fucking lost it. Like even the work <laughs> shoot stuff and everything like that. So we'll talk about that as well. And of course, we've got predictions. We've got all out predictions to give. Clash at the castle predictions to give, and we might even look at Wells Collide as well. But until then, so we've got enough wrestling to be getting on with. But I hope everybody has joined it today. Uh, First up, like I said, the fantastic Jaxie Scarlett. Thank you for joining us, Jaxie. And thank you for uh, putting up with me for two and a half hours. <laughs> and also for the G1 as well. No, I've had fun doing it. I look forward to kind of seeing um, the overall outcome of what has come out of uh, the G1. So we'll we'll see how things go. But thanks again. Uh, Gina, next time we, you know, I say we speak to each other, we'll speak to each other Wednesday. But then after that gonna go mental for clash so that should be quite fun to see if i can actually control myself in person you know because i'm, I'm much trying, more I try to <laughs> control myself as well i just i i don't want to unleash you know too much of um g mode out on you to be overwhelming so well, i will try to realm it in a bit my family has said don't forget james you're very unlikable in person so just as long as you remember that <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'll be having a few drinks. You'll be like a fool by then. We'll be shit-faced. <laughs> I was going to say that, you and I. <laughs> we won't even remember the clash. We'll be doing the pod the following week. I don't fucking know. I was old, you know, she was holding my hair back at that point. <laughs> Who knows what was going on? <laughs> <laughs> so who knows? I think it's going to be a great weekend. And like I said, I feel like... Um, it might end up with myself and Jaxie carrying you out the stadium because you're so overwhelmed. And it's oh fine. It's all right. We, don't got we got you. We got you. We got you. Oh, I appreciate that. I'm getting the sweats now. I'm getting the nervous sweats for Cardiff, but we'll be fine because, like I said, <laughs> we're going to get sorted out. But excitement level is building, but we have done the G1. So, like I said, thank you for everybody for joining me here and thank you, everybody, for listening. I have been James Rowlands. And bye.